Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The Russians are coming. It makes all the papers this morning again. In fact, what they do is they're drilling into the different um, capabilities of the naval flotilla that's heading to the west coast of Cork. The Russian nuke-capable missile cruiser, the Marshal Ustinov, is one of them, and two other and massive warships and a load of other smaller ships and boats will come when the Russians arrive. And the Red Tops this morning tell us exactly what's on board them, particularly the Ustinov. It has uh, cruise missiles on it. It has uh, surface-to-air missiles, like 60 or 70 of them. It's got a naval gun. It's got many, many torpedoes, mortars. It's got choppers on board. It's got cannons on board. It's got uh, general-purpose machine guns, Browning heavy machine guns as well. So quite an amount of... uh, armaments if you like and uh, of course going up against them will be West Cork fishermen who are just not taking any messing from the Russians uh, one of the headlines in the papers this morning is uh, a reference to the Jaws movie uh, you're, we're going to need a bigger boat I don't know who they're referring to as to whether it's the uh, naval flotilla from Russia or whether it's the fishermen you're going to need a bigger boat one of the most famous quotes in movies of all time. And actually, it was an ad lib that Roy Schreider just added in, and they kept it in. Um, you're going to need a bigger boat. It's most famous line, one of the most famous lines of all time. You know, um, while the Russians are coming here, many people now are planning on going on maybe a spring break and certainly going on summer holidays. And many people who were around Ireland, supporting Ireland over the last couple of summers, and it was a boom summer last year, uh, will probably plan an overseas trip. Anyway, what I'm saying is they're going to need passports. And they, they're saying that the backlog, um, the actual number um, that the passport office are going to be flooded with in the coming weeks and months is up to 1.7 million passport applications. I know when I ever touch on this topic on air, we get flooded with calls and texts and people are tearing their hair out and biting their fingernails to the quick. But 1.7 million applications in the coming weeks and months. And on that basis now, there are calls for the passport office to open seven days a week as opposed to Monday and to Friday, but to open seven days a week as opposed to hire more staff, uh, longer daytime opening over a seven-day period in an effort to at least attempt to clear the backlog. 1.7 million is an astronomical amount of passport applications. Um, You heard in the news, two men have been arrested now over the uh, post office uh, story up in uh, County Carlow. Pat Doyle at 66. The guards believe that they brought him in uh, to uh, the post office um, on Friday. And of course, what we know now is that staff realised when they brought him in that he had passed away, that he was dead. So there are two arrests in that now and uh, two being questioned or one released, the other being questioned by Gardaí. So that course is, that case is taking its course, course under investigation by the Gardaí. So is the man charged with the murder of the teacher, Ashling Murphy. He's been back in court again. I think that's the second time now that Joseph uh, Pushka uh, has be appeared before uh, the district court accused of killing the 23-year-old uh, school teacher. So that makes the papers this morning in quite some detail. But family matters do also. I don't know if you're following um, the uh, tragedy. I mean, it's, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's no less loss of life, thankfully, but mother of God Almighty, all of these children being misdiagnosed uh, in Kerry. It was a junior doctor, apparently. You may well be aware of it. was vastly over-diagnosing and then vastly over-prescribing antipsychotic drugs to vulnerable teenagers. Now, some of those families are going to sue the state over this now. 
uh, because of the treatment that the children were put through. And others, of course, clearly want an apology. Uh, so there were Kerry teenagers, say, for instance, um, who maybe had issues going on in their lives, were seen by this junior doctor. And there were many, many hundreds investigated, but 46 of the children were found to have been harmed, um, significant harm, while attending South Kerry uh, CAMS. Uh, like, for instance, Kerry teenagers suffering from depression and other mental illnesses were giving heavy, given heavy doses of drugs by the junior doctor. One dad said that his son's life had been destroyed as after he was wrongly given antipsychotic drugs. Um, and then they talked about other side effects of the drugs that this junior doctor was given, including the production of breast milk, Massive weight gain, I mean, rapid ballooning of weight gain, sedation during the day, complete lethargy, not even being able to stand or even stay awake, and uh, inc- very much increased blood pressure. And one lad aged 11 was given a drug designed to treat bipolar conditions, uh, and he was given a drug to treat schizophrenia, and that led him to ballooning in weight horrific nightmares uh, and his emotions were all over the place. So that's a story that makes many of the papers today in quite some detail. I mean, families and patients trust doctors and this overdiagnosis of ADHD in the secondary school children is being laid as the, you know, front and centre as to the reason why this junior doctor went off on some sort of a some sort of a solo run. Uh, there are other drug-related issues, but of course, uh, from legal to illegal drugs, and this is a story involving Dr. John Sheehan in Blackpool, who says that he's seeing more and treating more patients now who are sourcing pain medication from drug dealers in the form of cannabis, uh, particularly elderly people with serious health conditions. That's a front-pager making this morning's... Uh, Echo, you've also heard of the new gyms that they're going to install. If you want to know what these gyms will be like, they're kind of like uh, outdoor gyms because they'll be in park areas and areas like, you know, Callan's Park, Popham's Park, Jerry O'Sullivan Park, Murphy's Farm, down the Loch Mahan Immunity Walk. They already have one in the Tremor Valley Park and there's one, there's like little stages along the walks where you can do a little exercise on these uh, iron pole, iron tubular gym inst- installations. You'll see them down in Harty's Key, for instance. Uh, there's a, a figure of 200,000 set aside for them. As people are walking along, you can stop off and do a little bit of a workout. Uh, meanwhile, you know the alcohol price increase here, it means that more people are going north of the border. And the Sun this morning says that a lot of those who are going north of the border are bringing the booze back to sell it in the south. And a lot are selling it to their pals. Apparently, builders are stocking up on slabs and slabs of cans in the north and selling them uh, to colleagues on Dublin construction sites. Um, you know, they're buying them much cheaper and then I don't know if they're making profit on them. They might be making a little bit of covering their petrol, but they also might be making fairly substantial amounts. But papers also talk of that story that made the radio news that some people just don't want the 100 euro energy subsidy. Say if you're wealthy and you don't need it and you you want to refuse it or you want to give it back. Apparently, the regulator says that that's not possible. Uh, So wealthy households won't be able to give back their credit after the regulator turned down proposals. It'd be very easy to have a box where you could just, I don't know how you do it, but with the, the way tech is going these days, it would have been quite easy. Saved a lot of money. And then perhaps, um, you know, maybe if it wasn't used by people who didn't need it, they might have the sense to give it to people who did. And if you're on job seekers, I know there was a change during the pandemic for social welfare recipients where people were getting their uh, their cash straight into bank accounts. That's going to be phased out in the coming months. And job seekers will have to go back to collect their payments at the post office in future. So that will be happening uh, from the February payments onwards uh, to post offices, but it'll be phased, I think. They'll, they'll do it gradually 
from February. I've also noticed in the UK uh, that people on job seekers will have to start applying for jobs outside of their skills area within three weeks of signing on. It was three months before, but they really are hammering down on it because they've got like one and a half million jobs that they can't fill in the UK. So they're saying if you can't get a job at what you want in or you're good at, you've got to get a job somewhere else. Somebody who's not terribly interested in jobs anymore still remains a mystery. The 19 million euro lotto is still unclaimed above in, in County Mayo. They, I mean, they, they could collect it. They might do it today or tomorrow in the next couple of weeks. But lotto chiefs are, chiefs are hoping that they'll pick the money up in the next week or two. I assume they know. You know I assume that there's not someone, person or a family in County Mayo that hasn't checked their numbers or doesn't realise that on the 15th of January they won over 19 million euro and they're walking around completely oblivious to the fact. And you know you talk about technology and you talk about uh, you know the areas of artificial intelligence. So a couple of very interesting stories on that in the papers this morning. One of them has to do with your smart device and your smart speakers. They're saying this is all to do with artificial intelligence and the rapid development of it. That smart speakers, we have Alexa Others have Google Assistant. So they figure that in the next 10 years or so, uh, Alexa and Google, um, I've set off all Alexas in the home now for people who are listening, but um, Alexa and Google will be able to spot um, illnesses and upcoming colds or the possibility that you're about to come down with flu or that you've got uh, chronic health conditions or lung problems by listening to your voice. I mean, the thing is fascinating. They're also talking about um, it, the, the, that your mirrors will change you know, the mirror in the kitchen or in your bedroom that there'll be smart mirrors so while you're looking at yourself admiring yourself brushing your hair putting on your makeup it's looking at you and it's checking your skin pigmentation it seriously is so that it can detect different skin conditions what it does with it I don't know I don't know what the mirror talks to you says go and see a doctor or go and see a cancer special I don't know about that or whether it sends you a text. But this is the kind of tech... Like, there's also kind of tech issues in, in, in medicine uh, where scientists now... I see this in The Independent this morning. Scientists have managed to regrow the legs of frogs. Honest to God, they went out of their way to amputate the legs of African clawed frogs. And then they did all sorts of stuff with a cocktail of different drugs and gels on the stumps of the legs. And months later, the legs of the, flo- the frogs regrew perfectly good legs and they're thinking that scientists may be able to do the same for human amputees who could one day have their own legs uh, regrown um, I think it's just incredible so there's a couple of stories further there's that and lots more besides and we'll stick into we got stuck into calls texts and comments across the morning lines are open you can text 0868104106 and pick up the phone on our new number 0818104106 but the Neil Prenderville show with Tesco a little help makes a big difference you wouldn't mind I uh, didn't get an opportunity yesterday because we were very, very busy on air. But if you wouldn't mind, just going to take the time to go through some texts and we'll get to calls in a few minutes' time. Massive response to stories that I was doing on air on Tuesday regarding the fact that the Russians are coming. Many people had an opinion on this. Uh, I was, I'm not going to say that I was amazed, but I was surprised at the amount. With regards to the upcoming Russian activity off our coast, uh, I and many others find it an absolute disgrace that they're using us as a pawn in their game. I was listening to the ambassador who appeared to suggest that we have nothing to worry about and that we're making too much of a fuss about it. I've listened to you interviewing the likes of politicians throughout the years and fair play, you asked the tough... Okay, thank you for that. I believe it's now time for you to get on to the Russian ambassador. Interrogate him like you would a politician. 
ask why they choose to use West Cork and as, as a pawn in their game when we're not even a member of NATO and we're neutral. I know countless people living on the Cork Kerry coast who are very worried about these events off our coast. International waters or not, I'm sure they'll want to know the reasoning behind the tactics. Another one, that's not acceptable, tell them number one, and it will be seen as an act of aggression to us Irish people. We have to protect our fish and our ocean and our wild Atlantic way and the skies above us. Tell them do it on their own waters or their own land, the audacity of them says Shona. Ireland is and always has been a basket case. So somebody here. Uh, uh, yeah, we were talking about you know Ireland as well as being the breadbasket of Europe. A few decades ago when the US Navy was updating their fleet, they offered Ireland several naval vessels, the Americans, as well as all of the aircraft and service vessels. vessels. The Americans offered them to us free of charge. We turned down the officer, offer but recently, we sold the L.E. Ashling for €110,000. It passed through a number of hands for multiples of the price. And the L.E. Ashling eventually winded up in the hands of a Libyan warlord who bought it for €1.4 million. Euro. Uh, not to mention the fact that there was €100,000 worth of fuel on board when Paddy sold it, says Richie. And he's right on the money. I remember the story, Richie, and your numbers are right. There was as nearly as much fuel price on board as they sold the ship for. I didn't know where it ended up, though. Ireland sold it for 110,000 with 100,000 euro worth of fuel on board. Um, When will you understand that Russia is not your enemy, but two other big-headed countries are? Did Russia ever threaten Ireland? Did Russia ever say anything about Ireland? Did Russia ever even do anything to Ireland? Uh, Thank you for that. Don't forget Russia was the first to recognise the freedom of Ireland during the revolutionary period. The Russians were supportive of Irish efforts to establish a republic independent of Britain. And it was the only state to have any relations with the Irish Republic at the time. During the 1916 Rising, Lenin spoke of it positively, calling it a decisive blow against the power of English imperialism. Uh, Thank you for that. It's quite a lengthy text, though, and thank you for... Uh, remembering. The Russian Navy is holding its naval exercise so it's in a position to intercept US and UK naval boats that may be sent to the Ukraine in the event of war, says Pat. Um, there, are, there are NATO golf ball radar positions in County Cork and in County Clare. You can see them. The Russian Navy can jam these as part of their exercise. Morning. The biggest laugh of all is the Balkan states include uh, down to Greece, who have big armies and navies and air bigger ones than Ireland while paying nothing into the European kitty. And Ireland does. We are nothing but sheep. How in the name of God can anybody, Neil, say that we're a neutral country when the Americans uh, cross, Shannon, cross through Shannon? And then uh, lots more besides that. Uh, what else is off the West Cork coast? Well, gas fields. If they're damaged, Russia will have a monopoly on gas supplies in Europe. Um, the Irish Navy actually to take a, should take a feather out of the Russians' cap and ask the Russians, can they join them on the exercises next week? There are just reams of these texts, which I'll come back to again throughout the course of the morning. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Just another update for you from yesterday's program. Remember the teenager who was stabbed in the house in um, John Redmond Street? Um, multiple uh, stab wounds. Remember part of that conversation with Paul Byrne spoke of uh, the disappearance of two dogs. Now, one was found by a neighbor by Shandon Church and the other was a 15-year-old American pocket bully named Nala missing after the incident. And if that dog had been stolen or was coming on the market, Paul Byrne was saying it would fetch upwards of two and a half thousand euro. Anyway, the dog's been found um, and has been 
uh, returned to its owner. It was found unharmed and handed in to a local pound. So that's an update on that one uh, from Cork Bio for you. Actually, Cork Bio have another very interesting story from Ayers Cafe. Um, this is um, the story of Gautam Ayer, the owner of Ayers Cafe. It's a veggie South, Indi- South Indian food spot. I don't know if you've ever ate there. It's fantastic for sit down and, and for takeout. Wonderful food on Pope's Key. He said that last night he ended up spending an hour dissuading convincing a man from jumping into the lee late at night after he was closing up his restaurant he spotted the man he said in fact he said it's the second time that this has happened late at night this week intervening witnessing the same person trying to take their life on the key and he says that he he would love to help more and he'd be very up for training and receiving training on what's the best practice when you're dealing with someone who's on the verge of taking their own life uh, he convinced him not to, and this was the second time with that, that chap, but he, he was talking to Corkby where he said, uh, what is the best thing to do in a situation like that? He said, I called the Gardaí to come and help, uh, but it was an hour, about an hour before they actually arrived. He went on then to say that this is at least the fifth, ta- fifth time that he's seen a suicide attempt since he set up his restaurant on Pope's Quay. Um, which is absolutely tragic and shocking. That's a, an interesting story. You're up to date now with everything that's going on as far as as far as I know. But yesterday's conversation, uh, when we had many people on air, it all start with, started with Dervla Burke O'Connor. Um, you you'll re- remember Dervla for years as part of the band Crystal Swing. And she was telling her heartbreaking story about her beautiful son uh, and his uh, autism. Um, and how people in Ireland who have children on the spectrum are absolutely 100% forgotten about um, with regards to service, help, places in special schools. And that prompted many, many different calls across yesterday and indeed again today. Uh, And I want to get to more of those calls this morning because I think calls make a difference. Yesterday's programme made such a difference that Pat Buckley, the Sinn Féin TD, got up on his feet in the doll and brought her up uh, during doll time. I'll play some of that a little later on. But I want to get to phone calls, right, and, and just chat through stories with other family members, mothers, fathers, grannies, grandads. <laughs> Katrina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, are you picking up on a call from yesterday with Cathy? I, yeah, well, no, Cathy's my mom. But, uh No, I suppose I'm picking up on a call from, I'm very good friends with Dervila, and uh, I suppose I also have two children. Yeah, with, it was uh, Granny Cathy was on yesterday. Yes, she was talking she was about on, your yeah. situation with your two kids. Yeah. Fair enough. So I suppose um, my situation is exactly the same as everyone else's situation, Neil. Um, you know, we're constantly fighting. There is no services there, you know, and what bothers me is that you can go out and you know, go to private speech, OT, there's plenty of them out there. So why can't the government just pay for them then? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is, it is a bit of a whirlwind when they say, oh, we don't have the staff. But the staff is there. You know what I mean? There's, I'm going to private um, places all the time for my kids, speech, OT, uh, psychological, you know, they're all there. So, and, but, you know, you pay for, you be, but you pay for all oh, of Oh, I pay for it. Yeah, like I'd, I'd, I've never got services. Yeah, so you if the, know, pri- so if the private sector can create the jobs and the positions and the services, why can't the public sector? Exactly. You know what I mean? Or why can't the public sen- se- uh, you know, send us out then? Send us out to the private um, sectors you know, to give us our services if they can't, if they don't have the people. Yeah, okay. Well, she, you know? Your granny, was, granny, your man was talking about your own, your own two children. Um, did, you, did you have a lot in common with the story that Derville had told yesterday? <laughs> 
Uh, I suppose, you know, Derby's situation is a bit different to mine. It is very full on. Uh, my two boys are in the ASD unit in Femoy, in the presentations in Femoy. Um, they are absolutely outstanding there. Um, I suppose for me, my two boys, a lot of it would be communication. Um, it's coming. It's coming very, very slow. Um, you know, and like that, there's still days there that myself and my family, my husband, we can't understand a word that they say. Yeah. Uh, we started love with them. We've been going for speech. We did an awful lot of intense um, therapies with them. I suppose I felt at the time that we needed to do it, you know, full on, full on. And I, I, I suppose I was part of, you know, not letting them be children. You know what I mean? And I think when we eased off the pressure and they start in the unit, which I suppose need for me at the start, I suppose I didn't want Paddy to go. I didn't want to, you know, have that label. But my God. And I took the advice from a lot of friends, one particular friend who helped me through it. I suppose the diagnosis and his, his pathway. And Were you uh, in denial, me, is it? I would. So I wasn't in denial. Like I knew there was something wrong with him, but I would go into services going, yeah, but he does this because he does this. You know what I mean? And I mean, I'm an SNA, so I work with special needs children. So like, I see that side of things. You know that sort of way. Yeah. And uh, so when when we made the decision anyway to send him finally, it was absolutely the best decision. They are absolutely amazing. How old, how old are the kids? So Paddy is five and Mikey is four. Okay, five and four. So, so under normal conditions, no, I have two other kids. Yeah. Under normal conditions, they would be coming out of say preschool or play school or creche. Yeah, like Paddy now would be starting in our in our um, national school here in Castle Lines, you know. But that's not his pathway. That's not to say he will get back there in in a year or two. Do you know what I mean? Or will there be? Um, a, like, and will the a, are the ASD units then attached to primary schools? Certain primary schools, not all. Um, but well, I mean, why, that's why don't they attach them to exactly I mean, yeah like I, I don't understand it I really don't I mean if, if it's all about equality then there should be an ASD unit with enough places attached to all primary and all secondary but schools but this is the issue there isn't you know what I mean there isn't I mean I am a part of many groups Neil and the same thing pops up you know where is my child going to go yeah. you know have they will, will they have a place won't that like we have enough to fight for we have enough worries we have extra worries extra concerns when you have a child with a disability yeah. and I mean this is just added pressure and doors closing in our faces all the time so like I'm a very good friend of Dervla and we've spoken many times about this you know what I mean and my two boys would be slightly different to Dervla's you know but that's not to say that no every child deserves the same they deserve the right you know and I just feel I have no time for this government I have no time for the country we're living in the doors are always closed no matter who you ring oh I'll get back to you oh yeah you know um, they're, they're, they're gone now you know we don't have a speech therapist at the moment you'll just have to wait you know this sort of thing so I mean we then have to go and pay for it you know I'm gone down to two days at work because I need to be here to do all these things with my kids um, you know, and it's then not you're, take, fair. you're out of the workforce then in, in your very yeah. special skill yeah, so I'm out. Like, I know, I mean, the, where I work, they're very supportive. No, I'm not disputing that, but because of. Yeah. The, you see how that's that ripple hard. effect, yeah. It's hard. You know what I mean? Like, if my kids get sick, I can't say to anyone, oh, you just mind them because they have their own way. You know, they want you. Do you know what I mean? One of our boys, be, he'd have a lot of anxiety issues at the moment or whatever, and we're working on them, but it's very hard. Like, I have two other children as well. So, on any normal day out that we go to, be it a walk up Corn Cross or into town or whatever, 
it all comes down to them. Do you know that sort of way? Like, it depends on them, the form they're in, if something happens, if something goes wrong. Yes, I'm getting, I'm getting, through, that, so in, I'm getting that feeling over the last couple of days as well, that other children in the family also have to, you know, don't yeah, use the word like suffer, my, my but there's consequences we for them, yeah. Unbelievable. Like, my 15-year-old, we went to the beach just for a normal day, and the, one, the smallest fellow, Mikey, no, didn't want it, didn't, just had to go, and she just sort of said to me, like, why can't we be normal, you know? And I just sort of went... But we are normal, but she said we're not. And I can see it like a simple day out. I know. And it, it, it's not, you know what I mean? I know. But look, and they're fantastic. Like my other two kids, they're absolutely know, fantastic. They really are. But sometimes it is very hard. But I suppose, Neil, the reason I sort of um, got on she was that in light of that, uh, we have a very, very special group here in Castellines. It's called Friends of Dean and Podrick. Um, Poor Dean and Podrick. So Dean and Pordrick are two boys who are from Castellines and Pordrick Finton and Dean Murphy and both boys would have had additional needs and when we founded our group um, we were sort of trying to come up with a name you know and uh, we have our own WhatsApp group and it was shared and friends of Dean and Pordrick came up. We just felt it was fitting. These two boys have passed away in recent months. And if they were here, they would be a major part of our group. So we approached both families and just said, look, would you mind? And they were absolutely delighted. And we just felt it was fitting um, with our group, okay. you know. Yeah. Um, so There's about 30 or 40 of you in the parents group. What do you do? So I suppose it started off originally. Um, there's a little playground here in Castellines and uh, one of the moms, Carl, who's actually the chairperson of our group, had put out a post on Facebook just saying, just restrictions lifted in June. 2020 and she sort of said look lads you know the, the playground is fairly busy and the, the numbers were limited would it be um, possible we'll say if we could get an hour slot that would be specifically for children with disabilities so like you know sometimes you go to the playground or Neil and uh, if there's children on the slide and then our boys go up the wrong way it can cause issues yeah. it can cause you know yeah, yeah. so it, yeah. it, she circulated it and within an hour um, a local man here James Renane from the Castellines Community Council he actually got on to um, a councillor, William O'Leary, and they brought it to the Clark County Council. So our hour was um, allotted for our hour of a Friday evening from five to six. Um, anybody is welcome. You know what I mean? If, you're, if you don't have a disability, they that's fine. An, they wouldn't give you an hour a day, no? An hour a week. Well, it would be great, wouldn't it? But we have two hours now of a Friday evening, okay. so we go from five to seven, obviously weather okay. printing and, and COVID restrictions. But it started from there. And then we sort of said, oh God, so what next? And then we got a call from um, Kieran McGain in the Castellines GA um, saying, Joe, would your group like to come up here every Tuesday or Tuesday evening from five to six? So we thought, oh great, one stop. So I think there was about 13 to 15 children on day one. And we thought, oh, it's a once-off, great, the kids loved it, and my husband signing Barry and Barry. What, kicking ball, is it? Kicking ball, um, he set up a bit of a circuit thing for them. And did that and, grow then? Know, I'm just a little conscious so, of time now, Katrina, but yeah, did yeah, it grow so and did more kids get it involved? It absolutely grew, so we're still going strong, Neil. We ran the first Ella Cool Ella camp last year in Castellines, where we had about 44 children. Um, we then went on, so we're still going strong. Good. We have uh, every Tuesday now, or every, sorry, second Saturday, we meet above in the community centre, we're a social group as well. So I suppose what, what we're trying to uh, relay to you is that if there is any family out there Neil our door will never be closed on anyone okay and is that an Instagram page then is it uh, the well, so we have our Facebook page Facebook page and, and can I just ask you finally because it, 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 Brenda was telling me that your is it your health insurance is paid anonymously every year 
Is it? Our, not our, no, not for the group. Our insurance um, that we, we need for our group, it was anonymous donation from a family in Castellines who actually paid for our insurance, who have no affiliation with our they group They paid to the insurance to indemnify the kids in the event of injury yes. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, our, we have a lot happening in our group. We <laughs> That's want a to, lovely Yeah, gesture, it's amazing. It? Yeah. But, Neil, this is, this is venturing out. A lot of local businesses, people, okay. um, you know, have given to us. So, like, I suppose we just want to relay that if anybody in any other area of your Cork want to start something like this, please get in contact because and we you'll show them how to do it in their own community we're not even sure okay. we're, we're learning as we go but it's okay. just you know to get it out there that like I know the door is shut in our faces but our door will never be closing anyone down okay. here Thanks and everyone is more than welcome ok fair play to you thank you so much thank cheers Anne Marie jump in good morning to you hi Neil uh, your you? daughter is uh, what's your daughter's name my daughter's name is Sophie. Sophie she's seven now yeah ok she's uh, seven yeah she's just started school now Um just started a uh, mainstream school. But did you go into um, first class last September, is it? No, uh, junior infant. Junior, sorry. Of course. It <laughs> shows yeah. you how long I'm out of the game. Junior infants, <laughs> senior yeah, infants, junior infants, first class. Senior infants, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, but because of her age, they skipped junior infants and then started her straight into senior infants and see how that went. Okay. Um, and we're seeing how it goes. And you managed to get a place. Oh, Neil, it was so difficult. It was really, it was so stressful. For years, I was fighting for a place and I kept being told no. Some schools even rang me and told me, because I, you know, if I emailed to inquire about a place, the principal would ring me and say, I wouldn't even bother applying. We've got one place becoming available and I can tell you now, you're not going to get it. One. In a school of one, in in a school of how many? Like certainly a couple of hundred. Hundreds, massive school. um, More than a couple of hundred, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. One. Yeah, it's two two schools combined together now um, here in Caroline. Like one place available, and I just told I needn't bother apply because it's already going to be given to somebody else, um, even though I hadn't even applied at this stage. So um, I applied. This is this is a um, scandal. But even. Even, like, for example, I was talking to Arsino one of the years and we were getting offered a place out in Canturk or somewhere. We live in Cargilline. And I think it was Canturk or Fomoy, I can't quite remember. And I said to her, sure, I can't bring Sophie that distance every morning and every afternoon. Like, that's far too, you know, it's too far. Um, I said, we'll just have to take the home tuition. And she said, um, well, you won't get the home tuition if, we, if you refuse a school placement. <laughs> So you will be depriving your child of an education. Your That's hand is being forced. Like, take the but take the little, scraps that we're offering, or you get nothing at all. This is it. But little did she know that I had already done my research, and I know that if you're offered a school outside of a twenty-kilometer radius from your home, you don't have to accept it, and then you can get home tuition. And I said that back to her. So, um, but you see, let's say you did take it right, and you went from Carrigaline to Cantorc twice a day. Wouldn't you get um, transportation provided with a driver and a special needs assistant? Well, that's another thing. Um, we applied for school transport, um, I think it was back in May or June, and we got granted in August. It's now January, and we you, still don't have it. The transport? We still don't have it. Yeah, but yeah. let me just tell you that the, the, the government then and the state and the taxpayer would then pay for that driver and that special needs assistant the five days a week, twice a day, anywhere between, I'm told, 700 and 1,000 euro a week. Well, I can tell you now, I was... I was so um, how, many, um, how, how many people could be employed 
a special needs yes, assistance or how many ASD units could be open with that money instead of spending vast amount of money transporting kids long distances? Exactly. There's a TD in South Dublin called Chris Andrews. He raised it in the Doyle there last week that in South Dublin alone, they are spending €72,708 a day bussing children with additional needs around Dublin to school. Seventy-two grand a day. Uh, and yeah. it's not busing, it's cars. Well, and both. A, and a, um, and that, adap- that adapted cars, to, yeah, yeah. That equates to over £13.3 a year just on transport. You see, no private business would be run like that. It would be bust, bankrupt, shut down. Yeah. Just, but £13.3 in Dublin alone. In South Dublin alone. In South Dublin alone, £13 million a year transporting special needs children. Exactly. Like, how many autism classes could that fund? I, I, I'm speechless. Like, you know? I just, I, it's a, an absolute it's, it's scandal. And it's, it's just staggering. waste time and time again. And not only is it a waste of money, there is additional stress put on parents trying to get these school placements and then having to transport the kids, trying to get the transport. Uh, it's just. But if you multiply that 13 million in South Dublin alone, using a national figure, it's, it's clearly multiples of that. It could be 100 million, yeah. 150 million. I would love to know what the figures are. I really would. Um, but Have you tried it, to find the figure? No, well, I, I have, I'm, to be honest, yeah, I'm just scrolling through TD accounts on the likes of Twitter and stuff. But Okay, I can ask Matt Buckley to try and request it as a, a freedom yeah. of information question. I'll talk to him for the first time. That's very important. Yeah. And ju- just finally, because I'm just conscious of time, how did you manage to get an ASD place? We were, we won the lottery. We were, we, it was pure potluck. There was a new unit opening up here in Carrigaline. And we applied to it amongst many others, and we were one of the lucky ones that got a place. There. How were you chosen? I think it's based on like location and um, mainly location first. And then, if you're outside of the location, you know it's kind of. I don't know how they pick it once you're outside of the location, but people who are within Cardline first would get first choice. So there wasn't a draw season. or a lottery or anything, no. No. Okay. No, no. Okay. Okay. And definitely not, no. Okay. Uh, Anne Marie, thanks for your call. I do appreciate it. Um, Lovely. And thanks uh, for highlighting the issue, Neil. I really You're, you're more than welcome. I'm flabbergasted. Uh, every time I hear a different story, I just kind of gasp, wondering, oh my God, almighty. The waste of Crazy. it all, you know? It's just the, the mismanagement. Thanks for that, Anne Marie. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter. At Neil Red FM. Pick that up there on the ad break. Uh, parking prices going up in uh, public authority car parks on the 1st of February. Uh, the Paul Street car park will go up to €2.70 an hour. And the North Main Street car park will go up to €2.30 an hour. It'll happen from February. These are the little deaths by a thousand cuts, you know, little increases here, there and everywhere. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, I don't believe that many of the people who pass these laws make these laws and increase these prices actually even pay for their own parking. I certainly know that uh, TDs don't. I imagine that councillors don't pay for their parking either. Uh, I believe that some or maybe many or perhaps even all of them, none of them are sure, uh, use um, city car park facilities that are owned uh, by the municipality. So there you have it, 270 and 230 um, from uh, the 1st of February.
as they try to encourage people into the city. That's a real sensible move, isn't it? Anyway, back to the phone as we go. Shane, good morning. Sorry, there you are. Shane, my apologies. Morning. Thanks for holding. Um, you're, you're picking up on our conversation yesterday. Well started with, with Dervla. Um, did, did it ring true with regards to similarities to your own home situation? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we have a four-year-old son. His name is Leighton. Um, we, we, we were sent for our first kind of diagnosis at six months and we didn't get anything till December 2020. So uh, when he was six months old... Um, kind of family members kind of picked up with that he wasn't looking at us properly and small things like that and we went to a public health nurse Was that a worry for you when people started to say and notice things like that? Well, it was our first child so we didn't we didn't really know, you know um, but yeah, of course it was a worry once once public health nurse kind of referred him on to a different specialist but it took up to uh, two and a half years just to get um, uh, an ASD diagnosis essentially and with that, that was kind of leased out to a private place because um, the HSE just couldn't do it themselves so it was a private um, therapist that did all the, the assessments. Uh, did you have to pay for that? No, we didn't have to pay for that as such, no. They, they contracted it out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Of course, more money again and that they could better spend internally by having enough staff and enough facilities themselves but and, and so it was two and a half years were missed in a very important diagnosis with regards to his early development then. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, as they say, the earlier that you find out these things, uh, the, the better chance that you have of maintaining some form of a normal, yeah, yeah. normal life with it, you know. And how, how is, how is Leighton, um, you know, with um, regards he's, to the... It's such a lovable child, really, to be quite honest, you know. he's um, He started in the early intervention unit in Skibbereen um, in uh, September, and he's come on leaps and bounds. Now, he's, he, still needs, he still needs a lot of help. He still needs help with feeding, changing, putting on clothes, but, like, he's, he really has improved drastically since he's been older, you know. Yeah, and what, when he hits primary age, what will happen then? Um, so at the moment we are applying for, I think it's four different schools around here. All of them told us that we have no guarantee of getting in because places are so limited. So we, we, we just don't know is the honest answer. You know, we, he has to go to a unit that he wouldn't be able for mainstream school. And yeah. Well, he go to them, a unit attached to a school. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But all of them have, have, have gave us no guarantee that we'll be able to get in. You know, we travel from Bantry to Skibbereen every day because that was the only place that we got into. It was potluck that we even got into the... the What's that distance time-wise and, and journey-wise? So we're about two hours in the car every day. Um, it's a half an hour drive to school, a half an hour back, and again, drive to school and back, you know. Yeah, because I know that parents then sometimes make a long drive. It could be an hour or two there, an hour or two back, and they might be home, and there might be an issue in the school with their son or daughter. They might have a you know a moment, and they have to come and collect them, and it's another hour back to get them, an hour back, and you know it's like, exactly yeah, yeah yeah because because the, because the distances travelled are so wide. Yeah, exactly. Like we've we've been informed by the school that even if if we can't go. If we can't get in there, if we can't get in here locally in Bantry, that we could be looking at Clannacilty or further afield, which is 50 minutes to an hour drive from, from Bantry every day, you know. Uh, and I believe you already have fairly lengthy drives, don't you, for, uh, and this is for private speech, speech and yeah. language. 
So on, on a Wednesday, we drive to Mallow, uh, which is just over two hours um, because it's the only one that we can get into for speech and language. Um, we, we are, we're applying for different other places, but there's there waiting lists as long as you're So having, every you know? Wednesday then, you've got a five-hour return journey from, is it Skib? Uh, from Bantry. We're living from in Bantry. Bantry. So we, yeah. so from Bantry we to, to Mallow. Yeah. Yeah, we have to pick up Leighton in Skibbereen and bring him actually back to Ma- or to Bantry first because he won't eat anywhere else but at home. He's he's very used to home, so we have to come back to go again, if you know what I'm saying. So it's it's about <sighs> five and a half hours, yeah. Mother of God Almighty. Yeah. In all kinds of weather. Everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every every type of weather. Okay, um, and how do you cope? I mean, are, are both of you not... Is it, do you have other kids? We do. Um, we have a two-year-old as well, yeah. Okay. It's got to be tough. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's mentally tough, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, my, my wife, she's fantastic, you know. She's uh, she's a real driving force behind it, you know, behind the family, you know. And, how, and what do you think of the country that you live in and the circumstances you find yourself in? It's 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 shocking, you know. It's um, you know, like every as one of your callers says, everyone you ring, everyone you try and speak to, it's look, we get back to you, or we've a waiting list here. It could be six to eight weeks before we even have an initial assessment, or it's 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 scandalous, like you know. And that's just the be, assessment, of course. That's only the start of the journey of life. One hundred percent. And then and then when you we we actually were were going for an assessment next week and 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 these prices of assessments. There's one price for a two-hour session is over 500 euro, you know, like, and they're astronomical figures to be to be paying out for someone just to sit and watch your child playing, you know. And you you want to see how he's developing, isn't it? You want to get Absolutely. updates regularly, and you have to pay privately for that. And, well, that's it, you know, because if we had to, if we waited for the HSE, we we got one we got one block of um, of speech and language therapist. It was a four-week block, and. We probably won't see another block off the HSE for another six to eight months. This oh, is, God you know? Almighty! I mean, so many yeah. things come into my mind because they had an, edu- an antiquated software system running the HSE. Um, it got hacked, and it cost yeah. them over a hundred million euro. I'm told to fix it and patch it. <laughs> waste, waste, waste. Ma- imagine, imagine what, how many ASE units they could do, or even train up a but, speech and language therapist, occupation therapist, and have them all around the country. You and know, is it that our speech and language therapists or occupational therapists or special needs assistants just won't stay in Ireland or don't want to even train in the first place because the pay is so bad, the conditions are well, so bad? Well, the conditions are so bad. You know, you, you, you have a better quality of life, you have a better payment o- o- over abroad. So why, why would you stay, you know? It seems to me that the answer to everything in this country is yet another sticking plaster. I'll put a plaster on that, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Worry about that another day. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There's no, there's no, there's no forward planning. It's just, it's, it's just, yeah, as you said, put a plaster on it. We'll, we'll heal up this wound until, until something else comes, you know. Okay, Shane, thanks for taking the call. I wish you well, you and your family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Frank says, I'm heartbroken listening to Darvila on the air. She's so amazing and brave for speaking up, up about the neglect of differently abled children in this country. That's beautifully put, actually. Differently abled children. I have a seven-month-old boy who has cerebral palsy as a result of multiple brain clots as a newborn baby. Since they have reformed the system and given these kids disability teams based on location, 
They are waiting so long for therapies and services. We have no option now but to go private, which can be financially crippling for families. This is on top of all of the emotional stress and indeed the regression of our kids. This sector is incredibly underfunded, understaffed. Our children's disability team has 520 kids and six therapists. How are we supposed to get the care our children deserve? The government should be ashamed. It's a heartbreaking story told so lovingly by Dervilis, says Frank. The government just don't care as it doesn't involve many votes. Well, I think it would involve votes if everybody just said, nah, enough is enough. We need to treat all of our children equally. Uh, and we need to work out what budgets we have for various departments and change the allocations of budgets departments to, to departments as a matter of priority. Uh, my heart goes out to that lady and her family, as opposed to all callers yesterday. Um, they need help. Uh, would the people that are due to get the €1,000 bonus come together as healthcare workers and say to the government, no thanks, please put the money into the services that are desperately needed and set instead, uh, says Shona. They might well say that and perhaps even do that and not take the money. But I guarantee you one thing, if they did, the government would then squander it. Back after 10. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Reams of text. My wife is a healthcare professional who is getting the €1,000 bonus. We don't want it. Our heart is broken listening to those stories. We are willing to give it to anyone if it could help, says Noel. What an incredibly kind gesture. Well, it's the kind of gesture I expect from Cork people. They just come up with the Trumps time after time. Thank you, Noel. That is so kind. Even to think it is kind. The 17,000 pay rise that junior ministers got to make them super ministers, along with the four pay rises for TDs and ministers during two years of lockdown. Wouldn't that make a lot of resources available to children with autism? Government should be ashamed, says Mary from Blarney. Uh, well done to Mary, to Dervla, to everybody else uh, on air, sending them so much love. Uh, to think our government is happy to give millions of euro every year to, say, greyhound racing, and yet there's no facilities for our children and children like Paul and others. Shame on them. Uh, and more. Surely the only way the government can justify this is by the fact that they just may not have the personnel to care for such a broad spectrum of different needs. You can't give someone something you don't have. Now, I could be wrong and it could be the government's fault, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, but um, then, it's, then it's actually we have created a society where childbirth is a lottery, isn't it? You know? that your child won't need any help, that your child will thrive, hit all the markers, have a wonderful, happy, successful life, while others don't and are treated differently. Uh, I'm a mom of two boys with autism. One was just recently diagnosed. Both were diagnosed privately due to the weight in this country. My older boy is now five and was diagnosed at 18 months of age and he has never, ever received a session of speech and language or occupational therapy ever from the HSE. He's five the lack of support from the services in this country is an absolute disgrace. Our kids are just left to sink. It's terrible. It's so emotional listening to those stories. Um, the place that they deserve should be available to all. Can't come on to speak as I'm teaching through the home tuition scheme while your show is on. But I want to let families know that home tuition would be available to their child while awaiting a place in a special school. I work for the Department of Education and I work privately. My private business grew out of the love I have for my students and not wanting to let them uh, go when they finally are placed in school. Perhaps you might like to share my details with Dervla if I can help point her in the area of services and support and other information that might be helpful. Thank you. 
an autism mammy here listening to those girls and I can relate to them so much. Being an autism mammy is one of the loneliest journeys ever. My son's on medication to help him sleep right now. That medication is in short supply, so it can't be got. He has now regressed majorly. We're surviving on about four hours sleep a night. This is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, the hardest hand I have ever been dealt. Being an autism mom is one tough journey with constant worry and feeling like no one is there to help. Neil, it's so brilliant that this is being spoken about. It might be worth mentioning that kids with other disabilities, such as Down syndrome, also have this issue with getting into special needs schools. My little brother, who has who is, who is Downs, will be going into first year secondary school in September. We're waiting to find out if he's gotten his place in a special needs school that we hope for him to go to. And that's a constant worry. Kids with any special needs are forgotten about in this country and there's no help or support from the government. Down to sports facilities, which seem to be nearly non-existent for children with special needs unless they're, say, 16 plus. I've watched my parents have to fight for every single thing my little brother has and it needs to stop. Uh, morning, I work in the Intellectual Disability Service. Once you turn 18, you're treated like an adult, even though you may have the mind of a four-year-old. So you have less services available to you when you turn 18. Can I just do one final one? Um, thank you. I'm sitting here in tears listening to your show. I have a nine-year-old daughter who was only diagnosed last year. I knew she had autism from around 18 months. I could get into all the rights and wrongs of how our children have been failed by the HSC services, but I'm not going to. You've heard it all. I'm not originally from Cork, but moved here after getting into a relationship with my partner. We have zero family, zero support here in Cork, apart from my parent, my partner's parents, who really don't want to know, and most definitely don't want to help in any way, shape or form. This has been the most upsetting part for me, as I just can't understand why grandparents could withhold their support in cases like this. But unfortunately, their attitude is they've had their kids, they have reared their kids, Case closed. Is there, is, if there's anything your listeners could take from today, it would be please reach out to an autistic mom today. Offer support today. Any kind. And those texts to 0868104106. Calls on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818-104-106. All right, I'll come back to calls and texts and emails, I promise. But um, yesterday, uh, this begun with my conversation with Dervla Burke O'Connor from the band Crystal Swing. And she sent me a very lengthy email of life in her family unit. Um, particularly evolving around her son Paul, that and it's and, and that of course is an East Cork story. Got many other callers and stories and emails, believe me, which I'll come back to again. But because we were talking about East Cork yesterday morning, certainly with Dervla, um, we put in a call to Pat Buckley, the Sinn Fein TD for that region, um, and asked him um, if there was any way, shape, or form he could uh, intervene or at least nationalise the story. And he he did just that. He stood up in the doll yesterday, and I'm very grateful for him for doing it as quickly as he did. So from yesterday. Yesterday morning's program. Uh, this happened in the doll yesterday afternoon. Well, next I want to uh, bring to your attention again another situation within the youth mental health services. If your child has autism and mental health, there was nothing in this country. They're on their own. And one of the speakers mentioned a while ago uh, about early intervention. There's absolutely zero intervention for these people or their families. I listened this morning on Red FM, Neil Pundavan's Red FM, and I listened to mothers. Speaking about their autistic children, 
and how they've got absolutely zero help, that their mental health is, has not been addressed because they're not even getting assessments. The family's mental health and their siblings' mental health is absolutely destroyed. I've heard of cases where children were chewing dog leads, eating banisters or stairs. Uh, you may not be aware when the last time here I was with Queen O'Quillan, we worked on disability as well as uh, mental health. And families told me where they put children, their own children, into Alsatian cages in the kitchens of the house when they kicked off for their own safety and for the safety of the family. So what I'm urging you here today is whilst we're on youth and child and adolescent mental health, there is a huge, huge gap again within our mental health services and our autism services that needs to be addressed. And what's happening here is, I mean, every child in this country has a right, you know, to the best life that a parent can actually give them. But they do need assistance at times. But the problem is that the state has failed us. I'm black and blue from coming in here over the years talking about mental health and the lack of services. I mean, there has to be a root and branch change in this. While I welcome the positive things, yes, Minister, I always will, and you always will get credit where credit's due. But if you listened back to the parents this morning, and there has to be hundreds, if not thousands, of families tonight that are going through the same pain and suffering and will never get mental health services or assistance because their child has another disability. And I hate using the word disability. So I would urge you, and I will say this and leave it at this, that children are feeling, families feel that children are being abused in their own home, not by the family, but by the government for failing to provide the service. Thank you. All right, that was Pat Buckley, Sinn Féin TD in the Dáil yesterday afternoon. He joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I got the impression you got quite emotional there at one stage, did you? It's, it, it, I got emotional listening to it now because yeah. it upsets me because it, it's personal to me too. You know, we have family, friends that are in the same situation. So, of course, it affects you. And if you don't get emotional, you're not serious about it. You say every child, you said in the dial, every child has a right to the best life the state and their families can give them. Um, but yet, how could we find 21 billion to spend on covid um, wh- how can we put our hands on that kind of money but yet we have families heartbroken yeah, because it, of this it, and you're spot on Neil it, it's the political will it's the status quo maintaining the status quo the most vulnerable in society will always and have always been left behind and that's what sickens me and I mean look when I, when I heard when I listened to your show yesterday I, 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 I hit so many emotions of anger of hopelessness but of sadness and saying to myself, my God, it's about time and it's great and fair play to everybody, including yourself and Darvela and all the other people that spoke out. This needs to get into the public domain. This needs feet on the street because these governments and other past governments have never taken these services, these vital services seriously enough and they actually genuinely don't know what suffering and pain the families have to go through and the constant worry of when they're getting older and if they have to pass and what happens to their siblings. What happens to if mum and dad aren't there for them when they get that little bit older? Like, cause we clearly know of waiting lists and, it, and with everything to do with the HSE, you get swamped in bureaucracy and families tell me that they're pushed from the department to department and they're long-fingered, they're brushed off, they're forgotten about. One woman told me yesterday, she was actually told, you're calling us too often. 
<laughs> if that's not a brush off, I don't know what is. Yeah, and you know what? There is no zero joint up thinking. I had a quick uh, meeting with uh, the minister last night. And when you say the minister, this is the, an actual minister, minister for mental health. Yeah, we actually yes. have one. Yes, we have Mary Butler. And I spoke to her just very briefly and I said, I am not letting this go. I said, Ted, have the role from now on. I said, I said, the system is absolutely destroyed and broken. I said, it's amazing. I said, if you cash in your pocket, you'll have plenty access to services. I said, why are we paying our taxes? Is it, that the, is it the problem is just too big to fix without actually having to blow it all up and start again? You know what, Neil? I've had various conversations with ministers and I suppose predominantly with mental health ministers over the last few years. And, I, and I've reached out to them and, I, and I'm, I'm very, very clear. You know, you, I always will give credit where credit's due. But I have to be brutally honest at times as well. And I, I've, I've appealed so many times to start rolling out pilot projects. It's not rocket science. Roll out a pilot project, we'll just say in East Cork, okay? Fully staffed, fully resourced. And you'll see how it works. And it will work if it's fully resourced. But like you say, start replicating that bit by bit. There's no, you're not going to fix it overnight, let's be honest. But at least try and fix it. Like I was watching, you know, I don't know whether you saw, I was watching the, the um, RT documentary there that the other night on the Kerry babies and the treatment of Joanne Hayes and Nikki Kelly and people like that, the miscarriages of justice and what went on with regards to little baby John and what, what she went through and how dark and dismal and awful a, a place it was to, to be a woman, say, for instance, in the 1980s. Nothing's really changed since then. Uh, if you look at how families are treated and their children are treated, like there was a statistic given this morning that in South Dublin alone, it's costing 13 million a year to taxi kids to and, for, to and fro to their ASD unit at the, at the school that they've been attached to. 13 million for transport. Could you imagine what the national figure could be for that? Is it possible to even find out? It must be 100 million or more. Yeah, it, well, you know what? I was talking to one of your researchers there and I will certainly look into it. I said, it's I mean, it's only a matter of asking parliamentary questions on this and trying to get to the... Yeah, how much does actually cost, Pat? How much does it cost, Pat, to bring the kids who are lucky enough to have a place to and from yep. it with a driver and a special needs assistant? And how better that money could be spent if the, if the services were in their own community? Yeah, and you know what? Those services are still scarce enough because I'm well aware of it during COVID, a lot of those services and they didn't come back up to the full 100%. And there's other families, and I'm well aware of them because I've dealt with them. They have to drive, we say, two children to two separate schools, um, coming from East Cork up to Lota and then into the city, and get no assistance whatsoever. Well, did, yeah, so it does. Year and a half allowance. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a whole system is broken. And did you actually system. meet? A, were you in Kilkenny? Where you? I think you said in the doll you met no, parents who group, had. A, you yes, met a group from we, Kilkenny. We, yes, a group of families that are in a similar situation, and obviously not finding enough um, help, so they kind of pooled their resources together. But I remember sitting in a committee meeting uh, with uh, Quiven O'Quilan at the time and Captain Function, and they told us their stories about young children, would say, in their early to late teens. And I, I, I was just in awe, and I'm sorry I don't want to upset people, but it's fact that when the child kicked off, they had a big... All I can describe is that one of those very large um, cages for Alsatian, an indoor kennel, either in the kitchen or the sitting room, and they put the child into that when they kicked off because they were a danger to themselves, but they were also a danger to the family members. And I mean, that's the reality of what's happening. And I mean, this is 2022, 
and the most vulnerable are being treated practically like animals. And when, if and when Sinn Féin are in power, will it make a blind bit of difference? I mean, do, do, do you guys have some sort of a policy to improve this or at least to start we, to try? Actually, no, no, no. We've been working on, I mean, look, let's be honest here, Scott, let's be at We've been planning for the future. We've been planning for, you know, to be in power. But we've also been planning to look at all the services. I mean, especially our health services, the housing situation. We've on a brain on that. The children's section with Kathleen Function, the disability section with Pauline Tully. We have our documents, our policies, our plans. I've been working away with Mark Ward on the mental health side of it. Like, we're ready. We, we don't want to come in and just fall flat on our faces. I mean, it's about helping everyone. I, I, and, and Frank, and being Frank, I've often said to people, you know what? We should have one of the best countries in the world. We have the best people, right? But it's just not being done right at the moment. And nobody, the governments, even this government, it's also running out of ideas, not a mind plan. We never ever so seem to have change. logical thinking when it comes to the vulnerable, whether that's the very young or the very old or those who are very sick. Well, the one thing I will say is, the one thing that you don't see a lot of above and the house and inverted commas is the common sense approach. What's their default approach? Deny, is it? Deny, or, or the usual one. Don't talk about it and go away. And you standing know? up in the door yesterday, would that make a blind bit of difference, do you think? It will, because it opens the avenue. I know I have it on the record. I have said to the Minister, uh, Mary Butler, that I will be chasing it up with Minister Anne Rabbit, and I want the answers to this, and the other situations that happened uh, with that recent report that came out from the Cock Kerry Mental Health Services. And I said this, my gloves are off, and said heads have to roll. This crack of nobody being responsible, nobody being accountable, that's an absolute disgrace. That means you can get away with it. And I'll tell you another thing, why we have, in the last revised book of estimates in June last year, the HSE got an additional 200 million in funding to pay out in compensation cases. So there you go, it's okay to mess up. You can keep doing it. And we'll cover you. And we'll that's, pay the bill. That's, yeah. that's the mentality. That has to go. And as I said, we're not in it to be popular. I got into politics to make a change. And the plan is, if it's in 10 years' time, and if we change one thing in 10 years' time, and look back and say, yeah, I've made the disability service better, I've made the mental health services better, we've improved it. Okay. You've done something right. Okay, okay. All right, not, not a great phone line. Uh, do stay in touch, and if you have an opportunity to check out those figures, depressing, exactly and as an, well. depressing and all as I expect them to be, do come back to me, Pat, all right? I will, and thank you very, very much, and thanks again for raising me. All right, thank you, Pat Buckley, Sinn Féin, TD. Text 0868 and that's what people are doing. As a foster parent, I spend most of my time fighting with Tusla for services and support. Many of the kids I care for have special needs. You have social workers out sick, if social workers switching sections, meaning every time you got to start all over and all over again with a new social worker. Morning, very disappointed to hear you're going down the usual route of look after our own, which we all know is used by people who have just who have who just have issues with helping anyone outside of our country. All you have to do is look at our road signs to see that without money from Europe, we'd have nothing. There's enough money wasted in our country without you looking to usually blame foreign aid. Neil, you really should do better. Look at the cost um, um, but um, with regards to each and every COVID case uh, last year alone. Okay, well, you're entitled to your opinion. I, um, um, 
I'm not going to revisit that one. That was from yesterday's programme with the amount that we send overseas a billion a year. Listening to all these stories of children with autism and on the spectrum, it's heartbreaking. My goddaughter is 15. Just before Christmas, we were told she had autism. Now the school has been great with her. She's struggling badly in class, though. It's just completely heartbreaking. We're so worried about her. And you and others are right about what happens when parents and relatives are gone. Uh, she fell through the system, a system that is fractured badly. Uh, but we are thankful for the school and the help that they have given. I help out as often as I can. We try to do our best. We can, e- we can even organize birthdays. Uh, she can't be at home when her younger siblings have friends around, though. Uh, and that's with regards to her goddaughter. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines. Marley, good morning. Hi, how are you? Um, Thanks for taking the call. You say you're going through the same um, thing with your son, Shane. Uh, sorry, same things yes. as, as Shane, for one of the callers from yesterday. Yeah. Okay, in, in what way is it similar? Um, so basically, my son there, he's almost five and he's non-verbal. And at the moment, the only help he's getting is by us privately. So, like we're grateful that we're able to put him into private speech and language and occupational therapy, but we're actually with Enable Ireland and we're receiving absolutely nothing from them. And what should you because, be receiving from them? Well, like, my son can't speak. He has sensory issues. He's diagnosed with autism. He needs a lot of help and he needs it early if he wants, if he's going to have a good and healthy chance at life. He needs occupational therapy from them, like, now, speech and language therapy from them now, not down the line when it's too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, they gave us three appointments last summer, okay? The first one was a phone call appointment, which took an hour. The second one was actually an in-person appointment, but it was just a consultation, which also took an hour. And the third one was a Zoom meeting, which also took an hour. So I feel like they've wasted three hours just talking to us and offering us no physical therapy. Would that have been... No, I know, because maybe the physical therapy wasn't happening because of COVID shutdowns, perhaps. Um, no, it had nothing to do with COVID. We were in, in the building in Enable Ireland in front of them with, with masks on. That's just their protocol. They ring you first, then they bring you in just to see the child, and then they follow up with a Zoom meeting, and that's it. And I was told on the Zoom meeting... We don't know when or if we can provide anything for Bear. Did they and say I, why? Um, they said because they, their waiting lists are extensive and they obviously just don't see Bear as a priority. Like, I mean, my child can't speak. He has never, ever said his first words and he is almost five years old. Has he been diagnosed? You know what I mean? Yeah, he's been diagnosed privately um, first in January of 2019. Autism um, spectrum disorder? Yeah, autism and sensory processing disorder. Um, we were lucky enough to actually get a public diagnosis the following November of 2019. So we were very lucky, but I had to really, really push for that. But we, have, we haven't, from his recommendation, from his assessment, it is recommended that he gets speech and language and occupational therapy, and we have gotten nothing from them. And what you have got, nothing. you've paid for yourself. Yeah, so uh, of course I have to bring him. He goes to speech and language one week and occupational therapy the second week. I have to bring him. I cannot look at my child so and the, not bring him. Yeah, therapy. so the, and and that's making a difference. You're seeing an improvement there. 
Um, I mean, a small bit, yeah, a small bit. Like in, in OT, once a week, he gets his energy out, his yeah. frustrations out yeah. for all the equipment. Speech and language is, is going okay as well. But I mean, it's not enough. You know, it's for one hour, once a week, it's not enough. So it's the private you know? sector by and large um, pick up the work. Um, so the private sector is thriving in this regard. It is, it is, it is because it's fueled by our own money, you know what I mean? And it's not being fueled by the government's money. And that's why, that's why they're thriving. It was hard to find therapists because they're so full, you know? It, like, it was really hard to find someone to take Bear on, like, you know? And he's, um, like, Bear is what, nearly five? Yeah, he'll be five in May. And are you, so clearly you will be looking for some school placement for perhaps September? I have so much dread about September. I have no school place for him. Um, we just recently moved to Ballancolic and there are two units in Ballancolic, right? The first one is in the Grail School and the second one is in a girls-only school in Skullzera. And we were recommended not to send Bear to the Grail School because they speak Irish in the Grail School and he's non-verbal. So his therapist and his teachers in home tuition have recommended that it's not um, ideal for him to go to a And there are only two day. primaries options in Ballancolig, girls yeah. and uh, girls' school. Yeah. And I, I went to that girls' school myself but they're not accepting boys. And I think I respect both schools in the sense that yes, they're an Irish school, completely respect that. Yes, they're an all-girls school, completely respect that. But I think when it comes to an ASD unit, there shouldn't be any more discrimination than there already is for the kids with disability. I thought we were heading I, towards a, a world where there would be no discrimination between sex and everyone could go to the same school. But that's it. I think that would be an ideal world, to be honest, you know, with the way things are going and how genders don't know how to treat each other. I think they should be together from the start. And I just feel like there's so many schools that don't take kids with autism in a unit that the unit should not be able to discriminate. That's you know, an amazing I, point, actually, to sort out problems with regards to respect for each other's sex that they should be integrated in every way, shape or form from the youngest stage possible. Absolutely. We're, we're entering a world when you're older with different sexes. You know what I mean? Why from a young age should you be ingrained that you, you only learn with your same sex? You need to learn about all genders, whether that's male, female or other. You know what I mean? And I just feel like from a young age, there just shouldn't be any discrimination for disability you know, for sex, for religion, for anything. I feel like we go through so many hurdles with autism alone. You know, be, being told, no, we don't have a place for you. No, we, we can't offer you therapy. It's like hitting brick wall after brick wall, you know. And it's just constant dread. And I have to look at Bear then and say, I don't know where, how, how, where you're going to be learning in September, if you'll be learning. You know what I mean? And he is so eager to learn, like... So that would involve, if he gets nothing, some form of uh, allocated home tuition, is it? Well, he's in a home tuition now because there was no ASC uh, preschool place available yeah, for him yeah, the last two years. Yeah. So he's going to an amazing home tuition school in Ballancolic, the Lighthouse Centre. They're absolutely fantastic. And I would love to send, them for, send him for a third year. But then I, I'm hitting the brick wall with my CNO then saying he can't have a third year in home tuition. Uh, I was told that if you cannot find an ASD school placement, well, he will be sent. I was what? told. 
I was told if we... Sorry. Go ahead. I was told if we don't find an AST place um, in a school, that he would be sent to a mainstream school with an SNA and expected to sit down in a classroom full of kids who don't have autism. Like, Bear can't sit down for longer than 20 seconds. He has so much energy. He's, you know, a lack of concentration. And I was told that that he would have to be sent into a mainstream school with an SNA if we can't find a unit. And would that um, SNA be full-time to Bear? If, if the school could fund an SNA for him. If. But I mean, his recommendation by the private psychologist and the public multidisciplinary team is an ASD unit. Yes. Because he is not, he cannot speak, you know, he, he, he. He'd be lost in mainstream, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's just not the right environment for him yet. You know, and my whole thing is before I, I was heartbroken that I thought he couldn't go to a mainstream school. But now my view is I'm so happy that he has the opportunity to go into a unit because he can learn better than he would in a mainstream. But you don't know and where that will be or whether it will be exactly. available. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Marley, thank you so much for taking the call. You and everybody else, I wish you the best of luck and hopefully something works out in September. Um, thank, thank you. you. Uh, my daughter's 12 was not diagnosed with autism until she was 11. Imagine that. When I hear the words, sorry, but the services are overwhelmed or the staff isn't there, it turns my stomach and makes me so helpless and angry. It's a very, very lonely place to be, says Lisa. I just want to send my love and thoughts to the moms of Paul and Alfie and all others on the air. I'm 20 years in, I'm, I'm 20 years in now with my son, Tommy. Tommy has severe autism. My only advice for those mums is to keep fighting. Make your son's name known to the HSE. Letters, emails, phone calls. Stay relevant. Keep everything from school reports to speech reports, OT, psychology, everything. It's so so sad to hear the emotions on the air and that it's still as hard today as it was back when Tommy was diagnosed. It's a lonely world and a hard cross to bear, but just let them know that they're not alone. There's a fantastic group on Facebook called Autism Moms and DCA Warriors. Morning, Neil. The only way the situation will change is when top politicians have children with autism. Until then, nothing will ever change. Uh, and one more. We all talk about equality in this country. However, our government's actions say very different. Those with special needs are treated as second-class citizens. Sadly, I say this, how embarrassing it is to be Irish when this is, this is what we are doing to our most vulnerable. Many more like that. Back to the phone lines we go. Um, Emma, good morning. Hi, how you, are you? You describe it as atrocious. Your son's five. Atrocious. Go ahead. Atrocious is gone beyond it now, I think, at this stage. And I suppose a bit of background is my son, Killian, is five now. He'll be six in April. He was referred for an autism assessment back in 2018. And I have to laugh now, to be honest, because when I still have the letter. Due to my son's young age, he will be seen fairly quickly. I put it out when I'm looking for a joke. But he's five now and we got him privately assessed in July 2018. He was just the two-year mark. Privately again, privately yet again. Everything's private. He was, when he was assessed, he was non-verbal, banged his head in frustrations. The whole rigmarole, it was, it was either, you know, private or nothing because there was a history of epilepsy in my family and God forbid if he banged his head and went into a seizure or anything 
you know, it'd be another cost to bear between everything. So we got him assessed and I suppose I kind of hit the bricks. Then I put his report into every school with a unit, anyone who would listen to me. I was begging them for help and I, I suppose with all the stories, nothing good, but it came for me good because I'm not going to leave my son down, but, you know, nothing's changed with the system. But I suppose we're we're still, he's five now, he's in an autism unit, he's integrating into mainstream, again, due to private therapies, my hard work and his, his teachers, his helpers and everything. But we're at the stage now where it's just, it's making me sick to my stomach that it's still a fight. No grants, no no tax relief, no rebates, nothing, no? Well, we thankfully, we were eligible for the domiciliary allowance and we ha- we got the private VHI health insurance to help with the cost of the therapy. But like that, you know, we probably hear yourself, eight, you know, it could be speech therapies, 80 euro a shot, OT might be 50 euro a shot. And sometimes you're just, you're paying because you can't leave your son or your daughter go without. It's and is like, that weekly then, that, say, €130 Euro at least? It w- Well, like, I suppose for us, we did OT weekly, and I suppose we let, we took a break from speech therapy for the simple reason my son was getting so overwhelmed with it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But now we just ha- we got back into speech therapy now this week, and like that, that's €75 Euro a shot. And we live in Middleton, but the only speech therapist I found without a waiting list is all the way down in Mallow. Another so another long trek again this morning. We're hearing of many long treks. Yeah, I know that you did an awful lot of hard work, you said, and you didn't give up. And he's integrated into mainstream junior infants, senior infants will go through the primary sector. But, yeah. but in, in, you know, and I know you did a lot of good work, but yeah. I'd say you were just lucky. You know, I think a lot of it is luck, and it's I'm stubborn. I'm not going to leave him go without. So I've no problem going overhead, annoying everyone who'll listen to me. And if they don't listen to me, I'll get someone who'll make them listen to me. So it's kind of a constant. You're in constant fight mode. There's no but like how I mean downtime. Yeah. So like, who who did you get to listen to? Well, I'm kind of, I, Pat Buckley, he's fantastic. He's, I'm kind of on him every so often about emails, about what's happening, who's talking, who's listening. But I suppose the ones in power, the ones in government, they'll give the lip services, we'll look into it, we'll help you, but you know it's not going to happen with them. So do you think it was because you just became so tiresome to those that made the decisions that you got a place for your son? I think so. It's okay. kind of thanks. We were lucky with the school places that we were able to get him a school that's just around the corner from us. And like that, it's only that's down to pure luck that we were in the right place at the right time and we got his school, the right school for him. But I suppose on the therapies and the services side, it's a constant fight. I suppose since the restructuring now with the new Progressing Disability Services, which is completely a wrong name for them that I was to be seen to be engaging with the service I suppose a lot of parents if you don't take what's offered you're kind of shoved to the back of the list which I didn't want to do that 
We have, why do you have so many talking shops in this country and groups that come together under all sorts of different umbrella names? When we, what we want is to employ people, bricks and mortar, build the buildings, employ the staff and look after and make our children lives better. Exactly. I suppose I was offered, I, I, I call it a glorified parenting course. I went on it, I suppose, you know, to talk to other parents, to see what they're going through, to see if I can relate. And it was basically how to read to your child, how to play with your child, how to deal with... There was... I felt nothing there that I didn't know already. Yeah, talking shop, yeah. Yeah, another And, you know, I got a certificate, but still, like, I'd prefer, you know, you're there to help my son, so help my son. Yeah, as opposed to, here's a certificate, stick it on the wall, aren't you a great mammy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I call it my good mammy certificate, but like that, you know, I want to help my son. I don't care what you call me, just help my son. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Emma. Thank you. Uh, services for children with special needs, nothing short of a disgrace. Waiting for years to get seen, fighting for everything. Very upsetting and distressing for families. They're all forgotten about by our government. They just don't care about them. As a dad to two boys on the autism spectrum, I worry constantly about what the future holds for them. If anything were to happen to me or to my wife... It's a disgrace the way we are treated. Uh, thank you for that. Hi, Neil. Some therapists work that work part-time for the HSE also work privately too. So you can hire HSE staff privately. Do you believe that to be right? Well, I think you probably know the answer to that. We want enough staff within the public sector to be working only in the public sector. And we want more of them. I saw a text this morning. I don't know whether it's a text or a call of a chap who says he's going to chain himself to the school gates. He's going to chain himself to the school gates. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818 uh, There was a report done by the journal.ie recently um, that said that three quarters of children with autism are not getting their needs met in the public system. They actually broke it down into different age groups. They said that families are going into debt because of their child's condition. Uh, one particular family was in debt to the tune of €150,000. They said that 74% of children didn't receive services over the previous 12 months, or the one, or, one or more services. Uh, they they uh, researched nearly 200 families for the report, and they said that one-third of the families were in debt due to costs arising from their child's condition, uh, running to thousands of euro. They broke it down into age groups. So 90% of children aged between 2 and 4 uh, had their needs unmet for speech and language therapy, 90% of them. Nearly 60% of 5 to 12-year-olds and nearly 50% of adolescents. Uh, many were found to be on waiting lists for a service and 60% said the services they needed were not provided in their own area. So that's why you hear a lot of the time of families driving for hours and hours, sometimes daily, sometimes twice weekly. Uh, so those figures are a disgrace and they're an embarrassment. Um, and uh, anyone that's involved in health with regards to the decision-making decision processes, should hang their heads in shame, particularly those that are paid astronomical salaries. Uh, Una, good morning. Hi, morning. Mike. And we know, of course, then, there's a million people on waiting lists in this country, ever-increasing, and over 100,000 of them are children for lots of different conditions, syndromes, and a need uh, of, of assessment and work and help. But the 100,000 are a waiting list to even be seen alone. Um, with regards to Fionn, what is he, 10? He's 10, yeah. Okay. Um, and has he sensory issues? He is, yeah, he has a few sensory issues, but it's more to do with the hearing loss. 
So he's deaf in, is he completely deaf in one ear and limited no, in No, he's, he's, he's severe in one ear, bordering on profound. Severe. And he has a mild to moderate loss in the other, so they can't really set a hearing aid for that ear because it's a fluctuating loss. Was he 10 now? Yeah. He's 10 now. And was it, where, where, where did the problems begin? Even trying to get him screened or checked out, is it? He was born in July in 2011 and they had started the newborn baby screening in the March of that year, but I reckon they did not know what to do with newborn babies. When they appeared, when they appeared with issues. Yeah. So, yeah, we kind of went for test after test after test. And I thought they, I'm sure they thought that it was right itself. But did, so, not, did they not tell you that he had perfect hearing? Yeah, at one stage we went to a test when he was about two and a half. A HSE test? And Yeah, and the lady that was testing him, she was just there. She was like covering for something on maternity leave. And she messed up the ears. Tested the bad ear with the good ears, or the good ear with the bad ears results of the last test. Said he had perfect hearing, she wanted to find him out of the whole thing altogether. Was she, was she qualified to even be filling in, do you know? I, I don't know. Okay, okay. And it's just that... Perfect hearing, said, sign him yeah, out. He clearly doesn't yeah, play. Yeah. yeah, no. And it's just that we started speech therapy in that, like, a few months before the next test. And, yeah, we were getting over with speech therapy and... I thought it was me not doing it properly with him. He had no words. He was just babbling like a baby. But parents will always know, yeah. you know. You'll sense it, yeah. won't you? Yeah. Yeah, there's, but it was just like, like we went another day to an appointment and the lady used a rattle, stood in front of him with a brightly coloured rattle and moved it to the side and shook it and then moved it to the other side and shook it and said, he's perfect hearing, he can hear it. But like maybe he was just following it. How, how did she know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like they're the kind of appointments that we've been through over the years. The HSC appointment where they used a baby rattle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God. Yeah. So yeah, and I wonder, like it's been an emotional roller coaster the last like 10 years. It's up and down. Now, how is he now? I mean, how is he progressing? I mean, does he, does he sign? He does sign. He does a lot of lip reading. So at the moment in school with everybody wearing masks, he's kind of oh lost. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, he would depend a lot on lip reading. Um, does he tell you that, that he's he's missing? No, because he, he he's a happy little boy, but he wants, he doesn't want to show people that he's struggling. So he doesn't want to leave on to his classmates that he can't really understand them. So he's guessing what they're saying. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You see, this is a consequence of masks, of yeah, course, and, yeah, and COVID yeah. and how kids are yeah. struggling in different ways. Yeah, it's just, there's no winners in any of it, to be honest. It's just, yeah. And you worry about the future for him? I do, because, like, at the moment, he's taken out a lot in school. He does one-on-one with, with a teacher and does a lot of English areas math. So I'm worried about secondary school. There's, like, there's hardly no places for a deaf boy to go to school for secondary school and most of the kids will go up to Dublin I don't think I want them to go to Dublin Okay so forgive yeah. me for asking is there any um, specially assigned secondary school in and around here that I deals with people who have hearing issues? Yeah I think it's Bishopstown but I think it's more long like places like, as well it's just There aren't enough places? No Yeah There never are enough places no, for no. anyone in need No You know? 
Okay, many, many different worries for many different people. Yeah, Listen, thanks, yeah. Una. Appreciate you thanks, taking Maria. the call. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, lines open on our brand new phone number, which is 0818104106. You can text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. A uh, very interesting uh, email, which I'll read later on masks in schools, but many emails as well from our conversations over the past couple of days. I've been in the same position with my son. There was no support. We used a private psychologist specialising in applied behavioural analysis to write a programme, um, uh, including everything we needed. So again, another private uh, assessment. We had to hire a therapist five days a week for a year. It was really expensive, but it worked. My son is 16 on the spectrum of autism, non-verbal, no hand function. It will be a full-time carer. I will be his full-time carer forever. No service available according to the agencies. There's no respite available. Only four hours every fortnight. That's two hours for 168 hours in the week. In the 90s, my son would have had residential care provided. Uh, During the lockdown, all support was suspended. But but the SNA, support workers and therapists all got paid. The future for many of us is so incredibly bleak. The system needs a massive overhaul. They spend millions on a broken system. Inept therapists, dysfunctional management, and a lack of input to change. A lack of will to change, isn't it? I've contacted my TDs. None have even replied. In this country, you have, to, you have a right to life if disabled, but no right to effective treatment and no right to a quality of life. And there is a difference. If a family of a child with a disability, there are many parasitic people employed in the disability industry who have a vested interest in the system never changing. And that by email from Adele to Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Um, there are other emails, there are other texts, there are other phone calls. After 11, you can get involved in the conversation. Text 0868 New year, new number for Neil. 0818 Yes, uh, thank you. Just on one point there, we were talking about the money that's given to the greyhound industry in Ireland. And a regular listener rightly points out that that's not just greyhounds, but horses as well sent me a copy, actually I think uh, Seamus went and googled it then, the uh, new salary increase for the Chief of Horse Racing Ireland goes from 137,000 to 190,000 and uh, Horse Racing Ireland has uh, government funding uh, every year of 67.2 million euro. Some people are suggesting that we care more about greyhounds and horses than we do our children. Last time that I spent some time, as much time as I did on a topic like this, when we uh, spent quite an amount of time on um, the care of the elderly in our hospitals. Um, and that was disgraceful, the story that pe- stories that people shared with me here on Leaside. Uh, very, very emotional and very made people very angry and upset. And that also made it to the floor of the doll as to whether that has made any improvements. I don't know. I doubt it. I, I really do. Uh, whether our conversations this morning and yesterday morning as well with families will make a difference, I don't know. Uh, but it certainly can't hurt um, listening to Dervla talk about her son was utterly heartbreaking. I have three children. My eldest is nine with ASD and a moderate intellectual disability and he is non-verbal. He's due to leave primary school in three years and it's likely he will then be diagnosed as severe, which will make it so hard to get a secondary school place. I remember it like it was yesterday. The worry and the waiting lists uh, from when my son was waiting at his current school place. Now, because of changes to school admissions, Uh, And the laws, the special schools can no longer add children to their waiting lists and have to work through existing waiting lists, which is really what they're saying here. This woman is saying is that the um, 
waiting lists are closed. Once they do get through this, the waiting list, future places will then be allocated. But it will be a lottery system. What we went through uh, to get my son his school place four years ago was hard enough. But at least I could get his name on a waiting list. I remember the despair of our situation and how isolated I felt. The situation with school places gets worse year on year. School has made a world of difference to my son and our family as a whole. However, my marriage hasn't survived. A child with such high care needs as my son shines a massive spotlight on your personal and family relationships and who is there to support you and those who aren't. I did recently get home support three hours once a fortnight, which will end after six months because there's so much pressure on the system. Uh, But my son's needs won't suddenly disappear after six months. And after fighting so hard for a measly three hours a fortnight, I have to go back and reapply and fight yet again. It's a a lengthy email. It's from the heart. His sisters are younger and have adapted extraordinarily well uh, to our situation. They've adapted to getting their hair pulled and being pinched, of not being able to go on outings, no holidays, having doors locked, their belongings destroyed, their food taken having a grandparent take my place at a football match or a swimming lesson because I'm at home caring for their brother. When I turn around and catch one of them trying to calm him down by stroking his hair or rubbing his arm or finding something to distract him, it gives me great hope that in the middle of the chaos, I'm rearing two very kind ladies. Um, I'm writing this to say to Dervla and to other parents of younger children that once your child does get that elusive special school place, life does get a little easier. Their siblings know no other life and will too adapt to their home situation. It will become their normal. Pick a battle to focus on. I would advise concentrating on getting their special school place. Getting into a special school will make the biggest difference to your home life. Uh, Once you get that, you can think about the next battle. Please, for obvious reasons, uh, don't give out my details. And I won't, but thank you for your Heartfelt email to neil at redfm.ie. Um, Andrea standing by, and Noreen and Donna. And I'm happy to revisit again and again and again, appreciating the fact that, you know, there's at any one time only so much time that we can give to it. Um, but, uh, let me, okay, so let's, let's just deal with where we're at right now. Noreen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, well, thank you. Thanks for getting in touch. Um, you have your own story to share, don't you? Yes, I do. I have two children on the autism. And it's important to hear these stories, isn't it? It is, it is. It's, it's great to hear you highlight it on the radio. Tell me about um, Evan. Um, Evan is 12. He's severe autism. He's nonverbal. He's still in nappies, of course. He really is a baby in a child's body, you know. he's Next he's year he'll be a teenager. Constant, yes, next year he'll be a teenager. Um, I suppose you'll be always on high alert with Evan. He can head bang as suppose we've our kitchen presses are constantly locked and I suppose the house is with stair gets it up um because Ka- Cara's, Cara's 11 and um, she's, she's moderate. moderate yeah moderate yes. autism yeah, have yeah they, have and they special suppose, schools the two of them yes the two of them are going to the holy family school in Charleville. 11 and 12 years is that would that be a, like an equivalent to a primary or a secondary um, it actually caters from children from the age of five up until they're 18. Okay, okay. So that's that's a 100% special needs school? Yes, 100% okay. special needs Not school. part of uh, primary or secondary traditional education? No. Why can't no, we have Cara- more and more and more of those? Yes, I know. Yes, it's um, Cara did go to mainstream school. 
for four years, but she just wasn't able for it. So I suppose we were lucky to get the, the place for Cara in the special school. Now how many, how many, ki- how many students, how many kids in that school? Uh, there's about 75, I think. And um, when it's full, it's full, I suppose, yeah? Oh, there's waiting list to get into it. Like, I put Evan's name down on that once we found out he was au- had autism and he was diagnosed with autism at two. Mm. And he started there when he was six. So he was four years on the waiting list. But so, obviously he wasn't able to start till he was five anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the pr- but, but, but any, any, anything that needed to be done before that, you had to pay for it, didn't you? Yes, we paid for it, yes. Which yes. would be probably speech, language, occupational therapy? Yes, yeah. yes. Did you ever put a price That's on how much that was? Well, going back, I suppose, what age? Evan is 12 now, so going back eight years ago, the speech and therapy was 80 euro for two quarters of an hour. You had to find that, regardless of anything else? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And see, the sad thing is you don't get carers when, you're, when your husband is out working because you're means tested on it, even though you have to give up your job. And you, you should get it if you're the 100% carer, certainly for Evan. Yes, but I don't, unfortunately. But you are at home as his full-time carer. Yes. So where's the compassion yes. in that? Because it's means tested. Yeah, but I mean, there has to be a price put on your service to your son and the service that you're doing that the state should be picking up the slack on. Unfortunately, they don't, though. And how do you feel when you hear, I mean, it's far from perfect for you. I know that and I appreciate Evan's situation and Kara's as well. But they have a special school. How do you feel when you hear families who don't even know what is coming down the track? Oh, that's heartbreaking altogether. We were actually lucky to get the special school, so I can't imagine what it must be like for those parents, the worry they must have. And the, Because you've been through the sleepless nights and you've been through the frustrations oh, and the worry. Yes, yes. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. Yes, no, um, and you just you can't just send a child like Evan to a mainstream school with an SNA like that just won't work. Yeah. So they need a special school. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, Evan doesn't sit for two minutes. But it benefits him nonetheless. Do you see any improvements or anything? Oh, it, 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 it benefits him, yes, it does. But it's the reason I will... And he also has that, that sense of involvement, doesn't he? Being part oh. of a, a community of others. Oh, of course he does. Yes, of course he does. And he, he smiles every morning going out on the bus. He loves going to school. Yeah, because years ago it would have been at home full-time or in institutional care. Yes. No, he he loves going to school every day. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose the reason I wrote into the show is I suppose I wanted to highlight the fact that we give both our children the same amount of therapy. But one is speaking and one isn't. I suppose what I'm trying to say is all the therapies in the world aren't a magic fix. I think for the parent that's at home listening to the show and can't afford to pay privately, at the end of the day, I think the child can only come as far as they will come. Uh, Well, what are you saying? That if you can't afford it, that's okay? You 
don't need well, I don't it. Think I'm it's not... okay. I know. I, I think you should you should be entitled to get it. Yeah. But I just think it must be very hard to be sitting at home if you can't afford that eighty euro, yeah. thinking it's your fault that your child can't speak. Yeah. Because sometimes all the eighty euros in the world, the child still won't be able to speak. I know. I know. I know. But you know, Noreen, they still worry and they still want to do it because they still at least want to try. You know. But it should be just there for parents. Oh sure, like. And that we've been talking about for the last two days, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, and, to, and, like and, and, for the, and for Evan in the future then, when, say, he turns 18, do you plan for then? And Cara as well, don't, don't get me wrong. You, you try and plan, but, like, when they hit 18, you're starting all over again applying for places for them to go, like... What would that be know? then at 18? Well, hopefully at 18 that they could... Um, like St. Joseph Foundation maybe get into a hub or like they're able to stay in kind of it's not a school environment but maybe stay within the disability services down Correct. there. Correct, yeah. But, you but know? yes, but you of course would continue as his main carer all of the time because he is not of going course, to yes. be capable of independent living. No, no and Evan will never be able yeah. for for that yeah yeah and I suppose as a as a parent that is terrifying it's terrifying um yeah it's it's frustrating the lack of help it's worrying as a parent as well even to the point that many people tell me they worry about when they're not around to mind their child who's grown into an yes, adult uh, yes yes and uh, I suppose for me as a mother of two children with a disability I won't lie, I have had sleepless nights where you think, God, if we're not, if me and my husband Keith aren't here, what happens to our two children? Do you know what you know, would happen, typically? Mm, no, I don't know what would happen. I suppose they'd go into care, but is the care there for them? Mm. And what kind of care is it? Yeah. Yes. Certainly know, not the love of a mother or like father. Ever, Yes, Evan used to get respite, but that closed with the pandemic. He used to get, um, he used to go on a Friday and he'd be home on a Monday morning, um, three times a year before the pandemic. But that's gone now. So the, what would you do with the, those three weekends a year? Um, normally, myself and my husband would go for something to go out for something to eat on the Friday night, and on the Saturday night to just relax because you are more relaxed when you're not on high alert all the time. And there were three opportunities, that's all you had, was those three opportunities a year? Yes. What about yes. holidays? Mm, no, we, we, we would try and build in a holiday to, to that, you know, that my husband might go, we might go away on a Thursday and come home on a Monday. And someone would come in then and mine Cara at home. But you'd never house. rent a house in West Cork for a fortnight or go to the Canaries or anything, no? We, we, we've tried, we have bought the children out farm, but it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work. I know, I know. And, and is it, yeah. you know, you want to give them that. We tried to give them that because, you know, I suppose it'd be nice to take children out far and go on your holidays, but it doesn't work for our I family. Know. It doesn't I, work. I and look, I've tried it and at least we have tried it. Okay. You know. Okay. Noreen, thanks for your email and thanks for coming on air. Good luck to you. No bother. Thanks, Neil. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Okay, Bye. let's carry on. Uh, Ashling, or Andrea, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you're a mom to three kids, is that right? Youngest is five? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Charlie was, um, he was diagnosed at two years and nine months. 
so he's five now. So um, yeah, we've never received anything from the HSE. Actually, I'm lying there now. We received three speech language sessions in 2019, and that was it. He never got anything else from them. Um, we received his HSE diagnosis in March of last year, so um, he would have got the HSE diagnosis then. But they had wrote to us then in 2019 to tell us that, oh. You, your child will be going through the diagnostic process um, in the coming weeks, the coming months. And it was, I know now with COVID and everything, like they were obviously delayed, but um, yeah, that, that was it. That was all we ever heard from the HSE. And that's inevitably going to get a lot worse now yeah. because of the last two years of what we've gone through, because the waiting lists are getting longer and longer for all age groups, including, including under 18s and what have you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, we did get a letter out in May last year just to say that um, he was being part of a different process. Like they were after rejigging the system, so like Bridgeway now would have been gone. Um, it would have been always uh, Northley Bridgeway was who we were with because we're the north side of the city. Um, but no, it's uh, it's just Cork Foundation. He's with um, North North Cork City Cork Foundation, um, and we just got a few letters to say, oh. Um, We'll write to you now when Charlie gets um, uh, is up on the waiting list and all this and and all. I've never heard anything. And when you try and ring them, then like you're just getting voicemail after voicemail. Um, there's no um, there's no no one gets back to you. Does anybody um, actually answer the phone? No. Um, I actually had to go down there myself <laughs> to Bridgeway at one point to say, look, I've been trying to ring you for about six months and no one has answered the phone to me. Um. And then at that point, then um, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll we get back to you. Sorry about that. You had um, the right number and everything. They didn't say you're calling oh, the wrong the right number. No, no, I had the right number. Um, I know a few other people who did that um, as well. Um, I actually went onto the Co-op Foundation website then and uh, I found an email on it, an email address. Um, I think it was just an admin uh, email address. And I just emailed that and the lady got back to me the next day. And I was actually shocked. I nearly died <laughs> with the fright um, that she actually got back to me. But, um, and I think then that kind of just put the wheels in motion. Then um, not long after that, then we received a letter to say that he would have been getting the diagnosis, um, or sorry, the assessment soon. And then it was delayed again. But you're only fighting for assessments and diagnosis. You're not, a, that's not before you get any help or therapy. Yeah, yeah. And like the, we actually got the assessments then um, last year and then we haven't heard anything since. They, they gave us feedback and they told us all oh, what they think. Like, I, I mean, and the assessment was mostly over Zoom. So, like, yeah, it wasn't even a proper I assessment. I know. <laughs> and, and again, COVID-related, Zoom kicked in. Yeah. But did you spend €10,000 on private... Um, yeah, so I would say, like, the bones of it anyway, definitely. No, not just me, my partner as well. Um, but, yeah, definitely the bones of it. I mean, at one point we were putting them into occupational therapy and speech and language, and it was costing us over €200 Euros a week. We did that for about a year. Like, how do you, so how did you afford that? We just, I, I don't even know any, <laughs> to be honest with you. We, we just cut back on everything. Um, and then, like, we, uh, we got a private assessment in um, 2019, the start of it, just to get in the school place. So you need um, the piece of paper to get the school pay. Of course. So yeah. we paid the private assessment for that. That was two grand. Um, and like when people say, oh, we can't get public public help, so we're going to go private. Like, but what, it's the same with everything. Well. Yeah, like the you private know? sector thrives in things that are the responsibility of the public sector, the health system, the government. Yeah, but there's, like, there's waiting lists for private help as well. Like, I mean, we... 
we got Charlie's assessment. Um, now I won't name the clinic, but um, we were we nearly lost his school place because they were so long giving us back the report. We were waiting about four or five months for the report back from them. Like, and do any? Do you know if any of those in the private sector also work part time or in in any way involved in HSE work as well? You don't know. Somebody said that to me this morning. Um, I think so. Yeah, I know that the HSE outsource um, some of their uh, uh, kids on the waiting list to like private clinics yeah. I, I, but do they outsource are staff outsourced or do staff work for the HSC and for private clinics um, I'm not too sure okay. I know that some private clinics um, like some people working in private clinics would kind of um, outsource themselves as such so like if you had a clinic with an OT and a, a speech and language therapist the speech and language therapist might go out on her own I suppose and like take appointments by herself as well I know they do that Yeah. but um, I, I'm not too sure about the HSC you now to be honest Okay, all right, okay. So the most you got from them in all of the years um, of his life was three speech and language sessions. Three, and like at that was before he got diagnosed. So um, I was told then by my GP after that, because he needed OT at the time, and I said, look, is there any way I can go to get him occupational therapy? And she said, look, ring the public health nurse. And um, usually they'll get back to you and they'll be able to set up an appointment. So I rang the public health nurse and I said, look, um, uh, my GP told me to ring me, um, so I rang and I did, they were they were asking me then um, about him and what his needs were and I said, look, um, he's waiting to be assessed by Bridgeway at the time. So um, they said back to me then, oh well, we can't take him. So for for community occupational therapy, if he's under Bridgeway, which made absolutely no sense to oh, me. Oh, for God's so, sake! Yeah. So if he's on a waiting list or like potential autism diagnosis. They won't help. He's on hold, like, yeah. He's in kind of limbo somewhere, yeah. He's in the kind of the green, the grey zone. Now, how is he at home? Um, like, he's grand. Like, COVID is after having an awful effect on him, to be honest. Like, like, he was progressing and coming on and, you know, able to kind of do things that he wouldn't have done before. But, like, I mean, there, I know we all got COVID in early December and then the Christmas holidays kicked in. So he had no school then for about four weeks, like three weeks, three and a half weeks. And, like, everything then goes back, like, backwards I suppose like yeah. he regresses a bit so like yeah. he'll start kind of wet himself and you know he'll start having meltdowns if he leaves the house because he's been stuck in for so long in isolation Um I think people kind of don't see that side of things you know behind closed doors what actually happens or what goes on or you know things we're like that and then obviously yeah, I know and it. obviously then like my other two kids they're teenagers now so sometimes I can't bring them places because it's not suitable for Charlie or he doesn't want to go or I can't get him to leave the house. And are they understanding you know? about that? Uh, they are, like, they are, but at the same time, they're young and they're teenagers and, you know, they, they need to have a bit of a life as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it does really affect your whole family. Yeah. Like, it doesn't just affect yeah. the child. No, obviously, the child needs the most care and the most attention, but, like, it really is a whole... It affects everyone. Like, it's not just... It's not just the child, you know? I know. You accept it. You do the best you can, like any parents can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I myself, like when, when we were first flagged um, about Charlie, uh, I came out of work. Um, I had to come out of work because um, I was told at the time he needs the school place, like the school place is a game changer, you know. So I literally, I <laughs> the amount of farms now, I never forget it. I'd say I was about a month I say filling out forms for different school places trying to get help from places social welfare forms you know like mm. 
you name it, no, I filled it out and like even no appointments, therapies and everything else. Like I couldn't, I genuinely couldn't go back to work. It was just, it, it's, so over, it's no, it's, fu- no, it's full time. You're a full time carer, yeah. yeah. And just and so Charlie's five now. Has he a place at yeah. an ASD, or what, would he be able to go to mainstream, or what? Um, well, at the moment, no. Um, he's in the church school, so they're absolutely like second to none. Like <laughs> I think, anyway, that yeah. it was an absolute game changer for us. That school, um, it's genuinely. I think it's one of the best units in Cork. I, I think, anyway. Um, we were very lucky to be able to get placed there, like by the skin of our teeth, and it's only because we're living in the area. And everybody's you know? saying lucky, 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 but it shouldn't be that way. It should be no, an entitlement, no. a right, as opposed to a luck or a lottery. And like when you fill in the forms for the different, because I filled, I applied for every school with an ASC unit in Cork, like, <laughs> really now. Um, I applied to every school in Cork, um, and I, I didn't care how far it was, you know. Um, yeah. But when when you're filling in the forms, like it's questions like, do you have a brother or a sister in the school? Do your does a parent work in the school? All these questions, like, are basically, are you eligible to even come to our school? Yeah, it's you know? shortening your, it's, it's putting you further back the criteria list. Yeah, it yeah. is like, and it's so wrong because obviously there's people out there, like, not even from here that have kids with ASD that aren't even from this country, I suppose. Like, and sure, they have no hope of getting the place. They'd be definitely at the bottom of the list. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's so wrong. Like, it's and and you know what? No, I could talk all day long all about right. <laughs> the fight and everything else. Because when when you have one battle down, then you have another fight in your hands. You know, it's 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 actually never ending. Like, all right. it's well, always listen. something. You he's know, got, he's got a great mum and dad, has Charlie, and so have the teenage kids as well. Thanks, Andrea. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, Back after the break, text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Uh, Brenda tells me that uh, Tommy Gould is also uh, listening and has been for the last couple of days. Sinn Féin TD for the North Side and he intends to bring it up in the doll and intends to be heard. Um, very interesting, isn't it, that it's two uh, Sinn Féin TDs that are very much front and centre on this. I don't hear a single word from any Fiona Faller. Fine Gael TD, when he, I don't know whether they don't have the will to, to even bother, but uh, certainly nobody communicating with me, it's both uh, Sinn Féin TDs. Um, okay, I'll tell you what, i got Janice standing by and Alison, and then I want to drill into another couple of different emails involving uh, young people and the lives they live, okay? But uh, listen, don't worry, I'll, I'll do the best to get as many people on the air as I can. Um, so, Jenna, in a minute. But Alison, good morning. So, Dervla started all of this yesterday. You were listening, were you? Hi Neil, good morning. Morning to you, girl. I was. Yeah. I was yeah. listening to Darvla uh, yesterday and I could, um, I suppose, uh, I had a similar situation where she is, I was there last year. Um, with my son, he had no school place um, and the fight, the battle of everything. Um, and he was, was so fast approaching, was he fast approaching four and a half or five or something at that stage or what? Uh, five. Um, before this, he was homeschooled uh, for six months and I was lucky to get a place sent out in the Lighthouse Centre out in Ballon College, which were absolutely fantastic. Um, and then, at that, obviously, then in between uh, the jigs and the reels, when he was do- out there, I was fighting for trying to get him a place for for his school going age. So there's always um, that so worry and there's always that stress. That's one of the messages that keeps coming back hour after hour. The worry and the stress of what happens next. What if he doesn't? What if she doesn't get a place? Yeah, what would exactly. and if and, and if there wasn't a place then at five when everybody else is getting the school uniforms and sending kids off to junior infants and stuff, 
what happens? It's um, you get a couple of home visits a week, is it? We're basically given twenty hours a week of home, uh, home tuition, so you're you're looking at your child and at home. Um, you know, just totally segregated from everyone. But I thought it was you know, all I, about the, the the healthy way forward is integration, involvement, being exactly. around your peers. Um, exactly, and you know, every child thrives on that, and kids learn from other kids. We all know what so, happens to us when when the opposite happens, and you become. We know what cocooning was like. We know what isolation was yeah. like. We had to go yeah, through it, but not not for yeah. our lives. No, and it would have an impact on your mental health, on the kids' mental health, if they're secluded at home. No integration with kids, no proper ed- education, you know. So you take a um, child, so if that's the case, and that's the way it works with a child on the spectrum all week, you imagine the, the panic and the fear when from time to time their mum and dad might take them out? Well, that's it, but I've been blessed with Kate on that way. Like, he's so placid. He's a great child, such a lovable child. Um, loves going swimming, loves going to the playground, loves going to the cinema, things like that. Um, but like that, it's heartbreaking that I've been hearing all this and what, like what I went through myself last year. But what I will say is, you have to keep shouting. They have to keep their voices heard. If you're quiet, they'll just forget about you. Yeah. Um, I yeah. got onto TDs myself. I got onto the minister, um, and basically, I was given feedback of what I wanted to hear, but no action was given to me. Yeah. So I had to do it all myself. Um, I had to go down to Mahan, knock on the doors of the Sinos. Um, I when you say Sinos, explain that now to somebody who's listening horrified but doesn't have a child on the spectrum. What does that mean? The Sino is a special education needs officer. Um, so basically, they're overall, you'll have certain Sinos over certain areas um, in the city. So you'll have a Sino for the north side, for the schools in the north side. Um, you'll have a Sino for south side schools, uh, special schools and things, you know, and ASD classes. Um, so I had to go down there uh, myself, knock on the doors, you know, email them, ring them twice a day until I got answers. Yeah. Which in itself is soul destroying. Yeah. You know? You know, we know because even Varadkar, Leo Varadkar said it recently that there needs to be a root and branch review of the public sector, notwithstanding that there are people who work very hard and very efficiently in it but not all of them. Mm-hmm. There are some sections of it are dinosaur-like and, and there are people within it who just don't work. They're completely institutionalised. They're just going through the motions. And even the Tanishta has said that we need to root them out and we need to fix that. So we know that there, it's been acknowledged from the highest levels of government that the country, in many aspects, is broken, you know? But Neil, like, OK, there's people highlighting this in the Doyle for many years, for nearly 30 years. But there's no action being taken, you know? Like, we can all talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And we probably still be talking about it next year. But there's no one actually acting on it, you know? Um, so what one thing made a difference? To, what, in crisis. Yeah, and there are so many families in crisis. But what one thing made a difference with regards to Aidan? Did you get a place in... Uh, K-Dawn, sorry. K-Dawn, it says Aidan, my apologies. Um, I did. I did. In the end, I was actually offered three different places. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> one place I actually was last May. Uh, they rang me this, this specific, specific school. Um, it was an ASD class um, in the north side, and they actually told me they pulled his name from a hat. So, I was jumping for joy because I was. Oh my god, he got a school place. 
Um, is that um, the, and, and and perhaps there's an argument to be made that it's the fairest way. I don't know. Well, a raffle. I don't know about that either. I don't, um, I know. <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, you've got yeah. if you've got dozens and dozens and dozens, I don't mean hundreds, maybe all with the yeah. same criteria, all with the same needs, yeah. um, all with the same level of condition. How do you pick mm-hmm. one over another? I know it's 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 ludicrous, isn't it? Um, but then the following week, then I I got offered a place in the new um, the Cargilling Special School, the new one that just opened in September. It's full. And then the week after that, he got offered a place in Rochestown, uh, St Mary's. So I went to Cargilling. And who, well, were those three offers were made independent of each other. They didn't come from one central offer or anything. No, like. independent of each other. Yeah. So what? You, so what you're saying is, I, I keen to talk to Sandra and Jenna before I go. But so what you're saying is. Just by constantly hassling, calling, emailing, calling down, ringing. Yeah. That's yeah, the only way. Neil, it's draining. It's absolutely just, it'll suck the life out of you. But if you could, even on days that you're feeling tired and worn out, pass the baton on to your brother or sister or your mum and dad, leave the numbers with them, leave the addresses, the email addresses, and let them do it and you take a break, you know? So um, waiting, staying silent, hoping will never work. That's a very important message. Okay, okay, it okay. Won't. Thanks, Alison. Have a good day. Appreciate the call. Thanks, All the best. Love. It's K- K-Don. Is it K-Don? K-Don. Oh, so, it's a lovely name. That's that's Irish? It is, yes. What does it mean? Does it have a meaning? It actually means warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have guessed. I should have guessed. <laughs> And that he is. <laughs> That's what I mean. You better believe it. Thanks, Alison. Calling Red FM Studio. Call the new number. 0818-104-106. And yet again, another review has been announced, as you're probably aware. You know of the um, in and around 225, 230 children that were exposed to risk of significant harm at the HSC run service in South Kerry because there was a junior doctor who was misdiagnosing all of these uh, these teenagers and young children uh, and prescribing all sorts of medication that they should never have been on in the first place. Uh, that's, that's your child and adolescent mental health services for you and it doesn't um, come um, as any consolation I think to those that work hard and undoubtedly there are those, many of them in the system who are working are working in the system are doing the very best they can and conversations like mine over the last couple of days probably they find it very exasperating uh, so we have uh, now an announcement of um, a nationwide audit now they're going to be looking at all of the children and adolescent mental health services will take place another audit um, and I suppose in, w- in one way that is of course needed because there's something clearly went wrong down there I don't know if it was one junior doctor and they're thinking well is this going on are we overdiagnosing or misdiagnosing our children all over the country so what only time will tell in that regard. Jenna, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good and I morning. have Sandra as well. My last two calls today. Thank you very much for coming on air. Um, your daughter's eight? Oh, no, yeah, going on eight. Eight in April. Okay, okay. Uh, she'll be eight now in April, yeah. But she was diagnosed privately when she was four years old. Um, I know myself that it was something like because she never slept and she was really difficult as a child. Yeah. So I decided to go privately and get her diagnosed. Um, so that was fine. And then she... Um, she continued to like go to crash and things like that and it was okay but I had a tough time with the crashes she was in and out because a lot of them couldn't handle her behaviour and what would they say you'd have to come and get her is um, it yeah they were constantly ringing me to pick her up because they couldn't deal with her couldn't manage her behaviour and it was just a bit of a nightmare <laughs> um, 
yeah, we got, um, I took her out anyway. And so you sent her to a different question, the same thing would happen, is yeah, it? Yeah, so she was asked for being in loads of different questions, yeah. That's very upsetting so, uh, for you, Jenna. It was, it was, it was hard. It's heartbreaking. Um, it still is hard. It still is hard every day. Um, every day for a mother to, to see her, her child not fitting in with other little kids. That's it, yeah, because they're different, you know. Um, yeah, so I I decided to go to PHC then and get her uh, assessed from PHC. Um, so yeah, same diagnosis was given, autism, behaviour problems, ADHD. Um, she had to have melatonin to help her sleep, because her sleep was very poor, and just, um, yeah, so she still doesn't receive any services since she got her diagnosis in October 2020. Um, she gets no tea, no speech language, no psychology, nothing. Um, so every day is a battle. I'm on the phone constantly ringing, trying to get services for her. Not getting anywhere, just mess with, like, with a brick wall. Um, I, I want to go privately. I went to my own GP yesterday to go privately uh, to get referred to a psychologist. And she actually told me there is no psychologist available privately in Cork City, which I was shocked. <laughs> privately? <laughs> yeah, she like, said there's no one available. Like, I'm willing to pay the money to get my child assessed. Oh, you Cork mean there's no psychologist that is able to do an assessment yeah, for available she privately? She said there's none. There's none. She said um, there's a severe shortage at the moment um, in Cork City. So I was like, but those that th- those psychologists that work within the HSE, surely they have private clinics. That's what I was thinking. I was like, could I not get a referral there? And she she basically said no. So you, no t- you tell me now that uh, your daughter is is eight in April. What does her day consist of? So it is very tough, Neil, especially in the mornings, like when she has to get up to get ready for school. It's a battle. Like she she suffers with severe anxiety and severe milestones. And then to top it all off, like I moved in the summer, so I got a house up in um, Bishop's Avenue there in the north side. So mm. I took that, like because I've been the housing this nearly eight years, so I had to take it. Mm. And it's a lovely house and everything, but I need to go to school in the south side, which is in the SC unit in Balfour Yeah. So um, I have to drive up and down every day myself. Um, sometimes it takes me an hour each way with traffic. So it is a bit of a nightmare, and, and I try to move our schools, but they're all full. And the, so, as a five, a, six, a seven-year-old going on eight, is she in an ASD unit attached to she, primary? She's in the ASD unit in Balfihan, attached okay. to the primary school. Yeah. So you wouldn't be getting a call an hour after you get home to come and get her like you no, did in no, the crash. No, no, the odd time they would ring, but not, no, no, okay. they're, they're, they have the SNAs and things that are able to manage her, you know. Yeah, and have you other kids? I do. I have a little boy, Oliver, as well. He's two. Um, yeah, so it's tough going. Like, and, it's um, tough as well because as as your daughter gets older, um, yeah, she be, they should be, yeah, yeah. She, and she has a bit of an old bit of a meltdown, and the arms she, are gone, she, and she might she, hit her brother. She's very like frustrated, like, and she can lash out and things like that. You know, she doesn't really understand what she's doing, and I just need to get her seen. Like, and, and has she, has she, I can. has she hit her brother in, in the, by oh, mistake no, no, now? And, no, I'm not saying intentionally, no. but okay. Yeah, so um, I'm just trying to get her started as soon as I can, like, you know, and um, trying to get her into a unit that would be nearer to my home, like, because she's entitled to a taxi, but that's another thing. I've been waiting since September for her school transport services to come up and running, so she still hasn't received any taxi, so I have to drop to school myself. I know, I know. I know. Um, so they can't find anyone to do that specific route at the moment, so... I have to continue to drop her until it's sorted out, and if it's not sorted out, they said they'll offer me a grant to bring her myself which really isn't an option for me because my son attends creche as well and he has to be late every morning because I have to drop my, my daughter to school first and do you, are you trying to hold down a job as well then? it's really unfair um, to be honest at the moment I don't work because I'm a full time carer for my, my children yeah. 
Um, I'm qualified in child care myself, but yeah. I'm not working at the moment. See, I know it's tough on you. and They take up all of your time, without a doubt. I'm constantly on call for yeah, them, but, like if something but, wrong. And, you but know. I know that. I, under, I understand all of that. But how lucky you are to have a place for yourself. I know, I am extremely lucky. I am. And your daughter, I should because, say. Like, I know the school. I went to the school myself. I went to that primary school when I was younger. I know the principal. She used to teach me. So it's really about who you know, like, you know, and things like that that would help your case. Um, and I just asked her and she was willing to accept me. That's why I was delighted. Like, I wasn't going to turn down the place. Yeah, so again, we use the word lucky. You are one of the lucky ones by comparison mm-hmm. to many that I've spoken to her this morning. Oh, I know, and, and, and certainly yesterday. Have such a hard time. Like, it is very hard. It is trying to get the places, like, it's, it's an absolute and there needs to be more done to help our children like. yeah let me get one more call on the air thank you Jenna good luck to you and to your kids Sandra good morning good morning Neil okay um, again so many stories being shared we could fill a week with it um, and hopefully these conversations will make a difference and may have an opportunity I might talk to Tommy Gould tomorrow to see because um, I'd love to hear more about the statistics involved, the number of children, the actual physical numbers of waiting lists and the amount of waste and money that's been spent in areas where it could be better spent. But anyway, that's just me. Your, your son is five, is it? Yeah, his name is Jackson. He's five. He has autism. He has a moderate learning delay and he has severe speech. He has no understanding whatsoever. He only understands his name. Um, from day one, as I said in my email, I, I'm i very, um, I have great awareness with child development. I worked for in a crash. I studied level five, level six. I done in level six in special needs kids. So you knew. In college. So I could tell that my son was autistic after his first birthday. But you can't get your son in assessment till they're two. Yeah. Yeah. So I waited till he was two. I went private because I knew that I was going to be on a long road. And how did you know at one? I know you clearly have the training, but what were you picking up on? Um, the eye contact. There was no eye contact. There was no gestures. Like, he's five. A child that's seven months can point. My child is five. He still didn't point yet. Mm. Um, mostly the eye contact. Um, he was just in his own world but mostly gestures and babbling. He never babbled. Um, all the all the signs what he should have been doing for his milestones. He wasn't reaching any milestones, basically, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was... And do we know, do we know as to why there are more and more children being diagnosed on the autistic spectrum? Uh, is it that the diagnoses are becoming better, picked up more than they used to be? Is, 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 is it traumatic birth? What, what, what is it? Well, I think myself that it's like people are thinking it's the injection, but people are thinking that I think because autism doesn't come out in a child the same. You won't start realizing it or seeing it till they're gone past one, and that's when the injections stop. Like your last injection that a child gets would be the twelve to eighteen month injection. I think that's why myself personally think that why people think it's the injections. So people uh, think it's what injections are they? Are, people are thinking it's genetic then as well. I kind of think I suppose it might be genetic because I've another two nephews that are around the spectrum as well. Okay, and the injections that you refer to, what are they exactly? You know, they're injections that they get, they're boosters, you know what, they're um, MRA and all. That'd be uh, mumps, measles, rubella, things like that. Yeah, all yeah. them. Yeah, okay. 
Okay. But everyone has their own opinion. But okay. um, getting on about Jackson anyway, so when he was two then, I made an appointment with a lady down in Dungarvan. Um, I paid her a thousand euro. She said she diagnosed him. The reason I done it, Neil, and the reason I didn't wait till he was three and a half was because I couldn't put him on a school placement in a unit unless it's on paper. Yes, I know you have to have a diagnosis. That diagnosis that you paid for paid for yourself, yes. a thousand euro, how long, how long did that take? For the report to come back? Well, yeah, the actual, well, firstly, it'll be the diagnosis and then the writing of the report. So the, well, the, the, how long was the visit? The visit was like oh, about an hour and a half. Okay. Um, but there's a lot, of, like there's a lot of paperwork then that I had to do as well beforehand. So you did all of the paperwork in advance. You go and get the diagnosis, which takes an hour and a half. Yeah. The yeah. the health profession who it's does the diagnosis report. writes a a report. Is it a lengthy report? Yeah. yeah, it is a big report. Now it is. Um, I got that in the fit about three months, and I was waiting for that. Um, so I was glad then that I could go away and try to get his services. I was able to get him speech therapy in Stepping Ahead Clinic. I could also relate to the prices to all that as well, which was a joke. It's now fifty euro for a half an hour, eighty then for the forty five minutes. Um, but so there's nowhere you can take those bills or the money that you spend to have a better life for your child that they're entitled to in the first place. Thousand euro for the. Uh, diagnosis yeah. or the 50 yeah. or the 80 for the OT or the yeah. whatever um, and 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 send it off and get uh, a refund or a rebate no. No, 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 no nothing so when he was three and a half then um, he got his multidisciplinary assessment which is um, a team of there's a psychologist there, there's a speech therapist there, there's an occupation therapist there, there's a play therapist there so that's like again then like Jackson is in a unit now. It's um, early intervention, so it would be like preschool. But again, if you don't have that multidisciplinary assessment and report for by the time they reach school age, uh, we say junior infant, they can't go into the unit. But your people so must be bewildered about what they're supposed to and have to do. Yeah, 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 definitely. And so he's five now. Um, is he in an ASD yeah, unit attached to a primary... What? Yeah, he's in his second year now of... Um, Were you lucky to get that? I was, Neil, yeah. But I was even luckier. That's why I emailed her. I was so, so lucky to get a school for him in September because, again, I knew the waiting list. I was told I'm going to be waiting two years. I I applied to... I must have applied to every special school in Cork. I even went down as far as Charleville to the Holy Family. Because there, every school has different criteria. Like, my son has autism with a moderate learning delay. So, like, Cara House now, Cara Junior School, four years I was told on the phone and that was it, then I didn't take an application. Um, but I got him a place in St. Killian's in Mayfield and I just want everyone to be aware of it because it's you now they used to take kids with autism and all different disabilities. But this year they're doing a new... They're building a new unit. I went up and I visited the school last last week. It's fabulous. They have their own autistic dog. They have oh, a, yes. I thought that was a fantastic idea. I was talking about that a couple of weeks ago. But how many places, yeah. you see? Well, 
say Princeton totally there's more places anyway and it's it's going to be a new building they're waiting on all funding but it's their first year doing it for kids with both the learning delay and the ASD which is very hard but we want to see it attached to every primary school we want to see it then attached to every secondary school we want them hand and glove but see Neil there's a lot of there's a lot of units Nearly every school now have a unit attached to the mainstream, but when but the kids has the learning delay, they need the special school. They need they need that. Oh, you know, I accept that, but you, and maybe maybe all primary schools do have, but they're tiny, they're full, they have waiting lists. They're yeah. not they they don't work and operate the same as mainstream schools. I'm not saying that it should happen overnight that they do, but that's what that what that's what needs to be prioritised. Yeah. Yeah. You know, otherwise, we're still back in the the nineteen fifties and sixties, and to some extent the seventies, the way okay. we were teaching, we're dealing with children with special needs. I know. We're forgotten about. You know. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Listen. Thanks for taking the call, Sandra. Cheers for now. No Take problem. care. Lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text. Sorry. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. I should say. Will I ever get it right? You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Many people are emailing Neil at uh, redfm.ie. That's it for today. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Neil Prendeville, the voice of Cork, weekdays nine to twelve. Cork's Red FM.